You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we talk about how to use Zen to help fulfill yourself along the way to fulfilling your endurance sport goals, or as I like to say, how to learn how to think and train like a grown-up. Okay, we got a lot of cool stuff today. First off, we have an interview with Leslie Smith, female pro triathlete out of Boulder currently. That's a really good interview. I'm a little bit behind on my schedule, though. I've got to... uh, got to catch up with things. Uh, We did this interview, gosh, like a week and a half ago, Uh, but I've been training for Ultraman, which is kind of like a double Ironman over three days stage race and, or self-supported Ultraman, I should be clear there, and um, in October. And you can tell because the podcast will start getting fewer and fewer and, and more time in between as uh, my schedule just gets completely crammed full. Like I'm doing uh, five hours of training today and hopefully another five hours of tomorrow. So that's kind of where we're at with things. And uh, But yeah, Leslie was super, super cool and it was a, a great interview. We'll get to that in a minute. And we also have uh, lots of training log towards the end of the show. I, I go on a rant at some point about everything that's going wrong, which is always fun. And one of the reasons that podcasts actually got started, uh, not with me, but with everybody, it's a way to just kind of talk out your feelings. And it happens to make the air because um, people think that it might be helpful to others to listen to their uh, train of thought as it crashes into the station. But anyway, let's go ahead and get started with some triathlon news. Here we go. All right. First off, where'd it go? I had all this news right here. Trek is is uh, starting to sell bikes online. So that's pretty cool. I don't have a start date, but the way it works is you uh, would buy the bike online and then they ship it to the dealer and the dealer assembles it and gets a service commission for doing so. So basically Trek's going into online sales. And uh, I kind of like it. kind of like it a lot. Um, yeah, so we'll see how that ends up working out for everybody. And... Let's see, we had some uh, pro and, oh, Lake Placid, Let's see, went down, no, I have all this stuff, uh, pro tri-union, here we go, there's a, uh, they can't call it, I found out later, they actually can't call it a union, because technically it's an association, and and things like that, but it looks like pros are trying to get their um, themselves together, their act together, and uh, form some sort of a pro tri-union, it's very complicated, and they may have jumped the gun a little bit. Some of them starting it too fast. Other ones felt like they were left out and were out of the um, decision-making process. But we'll see how everybody seems to get along. I learned that there had been like two or three uh, pro tri professional triathlon unions of sorts uh, before. And um, they all kind of failed. So it looks like it's pretty difficult to execute correctly. Uh, the guy, the Iron Cowboy, did his 50 and 50 and 50, so that was pretty cool. And so it can be done. You can do 50 Ironmans in a row um, with almost 
suboptimal sleep uh, every night. And um, one night was on an elliptical trainer for the run. Uh, so that's a ding right there. But theoretically, um, it's uh, totally doable. Uh, 50 Ironmans in 50 states in 50 days. Uh, so congratulations to him. Uh, Calgary 70.3 went down. And, oh, the reason that that's interesting is that was the same weekend as Iron Man Lake Placid. And if you followed Twitter, like I looked through Twitter, and I'm trying to think however else I look for triathlon news, uh, front of Slow Twitch and some other races, there was nothing about Iron Man Lake Placid anywhere, um, unless you happen to know somebody that was doing it. But as far as the news, it was uh, nothing. And that's because there's no pro field. And so a Calgary 70.3 went on the same weekend, and that was all over the news. And I'm like, why? Isn't Ironman Lake Placid this weekend? I'm coaching a guy that's in Ironman Lake Placid uh, this weekend. Why am I not seeing any news about this race? Did they did something happen and they canceled it the day of the race or something? And no, there's just there's no pro field. And this is a big problem for these race companies like Ironman that wants to uh, save money by not paying professionals to come well you don't get any publicity for your race and your signups are going to drop because nobody's talking about them at the level that you would think there's no chatter all over the internet uh, to get new people just the people that are already there and well the problem is is at least 50 percent of the people don't return every year <laughs> you got to get new people every year um, the military school i went to had a big problem it only had like a 50 percent retention rate right so you got to get new people every year, and if there's no chatter about it, well, your signups are going to be limited, and it's going to be a lot more work. So, oh, so they announced that at these races where there was no pro field, well, okay, we're going to do pros, uh, but just at some of them just men, and at some of them just women. So they're trying to make uh, lemonade out of lemons, but we'll see. They should just have a pro field, if you ask me. And let's see, we have... Um, I guess it was at Calgary. There was confusion on the swim, and a uh, female swimmer got uh, DQ'd pro, uh, I believe, and possibly lots of others. And I think that's it. Um, I got more stuff I want to talk about, but we'll do it after our interview with Leslie um, because I don't want to wait too long before getting into that. Oh, there's one thing. Um, let's do a little bit of a Zen uh, discussion of, of uh, yeah, baby, I'm up here. I'm recording a podcast, though. Okay, so there's... Um, let me close the door here. That's how it works when you're a homebound podcaster. The, um, there's a Zen saying called uh, pushing the wheelbarrow. And the saying goes that pushing the wheelbarrow isn't hard. Uh, thinking about it is. And what that means is work is work. And actually what you don't like about work is... Um, the thoughts you construct in your mind about your opinions about the work, right? Um, and the best example that I've, I've, uh, seen about it. So anyway, but basically, basically you can be happier, uh, doing work by, um, just saying it's just work. You would probably be just burning calories anyway, doing something else. So this thing that you don't want to do, but that you have to do. Um, it's really not that bad. Your mind has turned it, or is making you miserable. Your opinions on it is making you miserable. And you have a choice about how you think. And the best example I can think of is people will go out and do an Ironman 
and burn 5,000 calories, let's say, (laughs) of work, and they will pay money to do it, and it's brutal, and you could die, and you get dehydrated and heat exhaustion and all kinds of crap, yet for some reason you're excited about it and nervous the day of and just can't wait to get going, right? But if somebody says, hey, can you wash these dishes, (laughs) if it's something that you don't want to do right now, you're like, oh, man. I I can't uh I can't do that, you know. And uh and it's really the problem is is the task that you're trying to do isn't giving you the reward that you're looking for or maybe somebody's asking you to do it that you don't want to do it for. So somebody that's mean to you is asking you to to uh, file papers. To filing papers, how many calories does that take? In an air-conditioned room, it takes none. But you're like, oh, I don't want to do this. Or there's something else you'd rather be doing at the moment, right? But pushing the wheelbarrow actually isn't hard. The filing of the papers isn't hard. The, uh, what was the example I gave a minute ago? I forgot. But, oh, the washing the dishes isn't hard. It's just you don't want to do it because in your mind, it's, um, your mind is making you not want to do it. And if you realize that it's just work and that, um, work isn't the problem, it's your mind. Well, then you can get on with what you need to do and then get it done. Uh, a couple of times just in the past week, Kai has thrown a little fit, my 10-year-old, you know, because he doesn't want to do something. And I'm like, well, if you quit throwing your fit, you could have been done by now. <laughs> you know, the thing of wiping up the floor, uh, the little spill or something like that. And uh, then it's it's over, you know, or we'll offer to pay him you know, a dollar or something like that to pick up all the, the dog poop in the backyard or something. And uh, whatever, you know, whatever is the right amount of money to get him to go, okay. And then all of a sudden the work's not that bad. Now it's going from work to uh, earning money, even though it's the exact same thing. So anyway, you can Google it and have a lot of fun checking this out. It's called Pushing the Wheelbarrow Isn't Hard, Thinking About It Is. And it actually is a mindset thing that goes back to Zen. All right. So this interview wasn't hard, but waiting for it is. And let's go ahead and get started with pro triathlete Leslie Smith. Here we go. Welcome to the next level. All right, we are here with Leslie Smith, pro triathlete, coming in from Boulder, Colorado. How's it going? Hello. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really good. I'm excited to have you on the show. Oh, well, thanks. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. This continues our uh, expose of uh, Maverick multi-sport athletes. So uh, quite an amazing group, actually, that uh, you hooked up with. Yes, I, I would agree. I'm, I'm really happy to be on the team. Yeah. So thank you for having us. Well, I also got to say, in my uh, research on you, <laughs> which is as much as you can do through Google, right? <laughs> you... You come across as one of the most normal people I think I've ever interviewed. <laughs> well, good. I will take that as a compliment. We'll yeah. see what you think when you're done um, interviewing me here. So. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely a compliment. And it's. Um, I, I was wondering, um, in your profile, you're from Iowa. Yes, originally. Iowa City. Yep. And I'm, I wonder if it's a Midwestern thing just to be kind of middle, middle of the line, uh, not, not too... Uh, not have a record on, on the internet of you saying crazy things and inflammatory <laughs> stuff or causing problems with anybody or right. what. Right. 
Right. Well, you know, I, I do, I will first say I always really appreciate people from the Midwest in general. Uh Um, so, but I'm not going to give myself credit for that. I would say the reason I kind of try to be balanced and middle of the road with everything with triathlon is I think I've just learned from experience that with the way that I am and with my personality, if I take something too extreme or too serious or overthink it too much, it kind of comes back. Uh, it just doesn't work out very well for me. And I'm not saying that, 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 that being like super engrossed in triathlon every single minute of every day and looking at every single thing you're eating and, and like really committing yourself fully to it. I'm not saying that is in any way bad. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that I, you know, I could maybe do better with that and, and have better results. But I just have found from my past running experience, um, competitively in high school and, part of college, part being the operative term there, uh, yeah. um, I, I just don't do very well when, when I answer my And that's the vague answer um, that I think anything in life, any activity you're doing, or really anything, as much as you can enjoy it, you, you know, each person needs to find the level at which they enjoy it the most. And for me, um, I have found that, you know, thinking about it too much, doing everything too detailed, just, it just mentally doesn't work out very well for me. Yeah. I, if that makes sense. <laughs> I was wondering, cause I've, I've noticed that about you. Cause we're going to talk about the food uh, log here in a minute, Yeah. <laughs> um, which I think is just awesome or the way you eat. And, uh, right. and I find it so, uh, truthful and correct and cool that what we're going to talk about with that, I can't wait to share that with people. Okay. And, um, yeah, so I, I I was wondering if that came to you naturally, but you said like uh, your running career, you've already been through a career of competitive right. uh, sports. And uh, so what happened in college? Did you, did you quit like halfway through or something? I or? did. I, I got very serious about it um, in high school. And then obviously at the division one level and in college, it becomes a whole new game. I, I don't uh-huh. know how prepared I was for that. Um, and I, I went through phases in the two and a half years I ran track and cross country where I was more serious about it and um, not serious about it. And I just maturity wise was not at, you know, at a level where I could do cross country, indoor track, outdoor track and be a college student. Right. Um, and the more I tried to be into running, the more I disliked it. And it just got, it, and again, that goes back to what I was saying. I know that sounds weird, no, but I, I just really got to a point where I lost all enjoyment. And yeah. I, I'm just, I think most of us are this way. I'm not programmed to just keep doing something I don't enjoy. Um, I mean, nothing's ever perfect, right? I don't, right. you're not going to enjoy every minute of something that you're doing. But as a general rule, if you can't say, oh, this is something I want to be doing, well, you probably should not be doing it. It's not mentally and emotionally healthy. Yeah. So um, it was just ended up being an environment that didn't work for me at the time. So I, I definitely don't regret that decision. Um, and it's, you know, it's what's given me the foundation to get into triathlon at a later age. So, <laughs> yeah, I've been burned out. Oh, my gosh. From swimming. <laughs> I was a high school swimmer that when I got to college, I, I just couldn't make myself yep. do it anymore. And then right. I've been burned out at work where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And I, right. I was thinking about that, that the other day while I was running, like, I think the goal for me, and it sounds like you too, would be to be just, just unfortunately, great, <laughs> but, uh, right. but with grace, you know, like, you don't have to try that hard and uh, as, as good as you can be without, yeah, like, 
because if you focus on it too much, you end up burning out um, because things don't right. go your way all the time and you're trying to make everything go your way when you do that. Totally. You, you couldn't have said it better. You just said it a lot better oh, than okay. my rambling said. I this think. is your interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I think I just, maybe that, that's the best way to put it. I, yeah. I do think there is a point for each person where it's like, how much are you forcing something uh-huh. and how much is it, you know, you're, it's always going to be hard work and sacrifice, but how much are you forcing it mentally and emotionally? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of this balance I've been trying to find through my experience with triathlon, yeah. um, you know, to have the best experience slash results I can, um, you know, so doing it at this phase of my life. I was reading about you won a uh, challenge Knoxville, which is fantastic. And then, uh, you got third at, uh, Boulder, but yep. the, the, uh, the coolest thing that I saw on your blog, um, let me see if I still have the link to it. Uh, Leslie Smith, and it's L E S L E Y and Leslie Smith try.com. And then, uh, but this quote, well, I quoted you. I don't know if you thought it was a quote when you wrote it, but it was really good. <laughs> and it was about Knoxville. Awesome. Thank you for reading it. <laughs> I, I try to do, I mean, I try to do the pros as, as good as, as good as I can with doing research. You know, so I have great questions for you guys because I think that, right. that, um, y'all have so much insight. Uh, so, so many, uh, pros are good or, you know, pro level just naturally. And then age groupers just try. So we try too hard at stuff and then end up never getting as good as we could be. And then when you talk to somebody that's really fast and you ask them how they did it, they say, I don't know, I just did it, you know? So (laughs) it's always great to do research on, um, how the pros, how people that get to be pros do it. Um, uh, so gracefully. So, uh, your quote was, um, calming the mind can often be more potent than gritting the teeth and trying to force something too hard too soon. Uh, the more you can eliminate anxious thoughts during a race, the more your mind is free to feel out your body's capabilities in the moment. So what that, what that means to me, and, and I'm a coach too. And, and, um, I tell people, you know, just relax, especially with like, well, it depends on, on the athlete and what they're trained for, but definitely like an Ironman that the more you treat it, like just being in the, um, not worrying about other people and just doing your own thing for the age, for age groupers. Uh, I think pros can get so good that even at Ironman, they, it drives me, blows my mind when they say, you know, they're reacting to other, (laughs) other people out there on the race course. I'm like, wow, that's amazing that they can do that. But to, um, to, yeah, if you relax and kind of let go and just be in the moment then and don't grit your teeth, then you can actually kind of judge where your body is and how much more room you've got to, to push harder. Is that what you were saying? Right. That, that's, yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. I just think you have to remember, and, and this may go without saying, but we're not doing a 100-meter sprint. So a lot of being able to be the best you can be on that day um, has to do with pacing properly. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you get too, uh, if you get too anxious and you're not in the moment, and I mean, there's a lot of miles to think about, um, even as 70.3, I, I don't do Ironman, but let's say 70.3, mm-hmm. there's hours of time to think about. So the more you can be in the moment and be like, am I doing what I should be doing right now to have the best overall race? And if you can really just stick to that, um, much easier said than done. I've been horrible at that. So many times. Um, I do think I'm going to use 
utilize what you have in you the, the best you possibly can. And and say my, my coach Phil Skiba, um, for one reason because he doesn't like it. He said this to me it was very simple, but it, it really like made a change in me. He said you know a lot of. Uh, hmm. Are you there? Yep. Okay, let's just do audio because it's um. Okay. The video will suck up bandwidth, and uh, um, that's why I lost you. I think. Okay. You just dropped out, but uh, and and you were right in the middle of saying something really profound. <laughs> So your coach was telling oh, okay. you, um, you probably went on for a while <laughs> before you realized I was <laughs> probably but, um, rambling. Uh, yeah, you were saying something about what your coach was teaching you. Well, my coach said to me once, and this sounds probably overly simple, but mm -hmm. it, it really rang true with me, is that um, with triathlon, yeah, I, I, you know, at the pro level, there's some sort of strategy, I suppose, and people you should stick with and all that. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day for everyone, it is an individual thing, and it's what your body can do on that day. You can't force your body to do something it's not going to be able to do. Yeah. And again, that sounds very simple. But if you can remember that and then it stay in the moment and be like, am I doing what I need to do? You know, am I doing the max my body can take to do a full race at this moment? And really just try to focus on that the whole race. Um, for me, at least, that has worked out better for me than trying to come up with some yeah you know it is i don't know it's just what can i do for this state for this amount of time bottom line yeah it just i never thought of this before but maybe the time for strategy was like three months ago <laughs> in training right. exactly <laughs> exactly no exactly so it's like what is your training allowing your body with its capabilities to do on this day like yeah. it does i mean and now obviously there's there's a competitiveness and tena being tenacious and and, uh -huh. and, you know, and being mentally like really tough that, but that should just kind of go without saying, um, just, you can't let that get too overblown to the fact where you make bad decisions, you know, yeah. pay something incorrectly, et cetera. So, uh, tell me about, uh, I had a, uh, bike crash in April as well at the Galveston, uh, half Ironman. And, uh, ah, yes. as I, I had about half a mile to a mile left on the bike. So there was nobody there. So I didn't get the whole uh, spectator crowd, you know, uh, making that horrible sound whenever they see you crash. But, right. but man, it yeah. really it impacted my training and everything for quite a while. Um, being really yeah. cautious around turns because I don't want to crash again. And how did you, um, how did you overcome that? Or what have you been doing to kind of get around that? Well, first of all, I think it, it first of all served as a reminder, going back to some other things we were just talking about, that yeah. you know there are there are you go to a triathlon and it's what what's your, what can your body do on this day? And mm -hmm. then like there are so many other variables that um, you know that can go your way or or can't. And I think that on on that day it just was a reminder that stuff like that can happen, and I need to be more careful at the dismount line. And yeah. um, I learned from that. I, I experienced road rash um, pretty bad for a couple of weeks. I had no idea how painful that was. Um, oh, yeah. Not to sound like a baby, but I just had heard people complain before and had not experienced that. Um, but but really, I just am going to be more careful at the dismount line. And um, I remember right it? after the race, what happened? I. I, I so I pretty much was coming in hot uh -huh. and uh, didn't judge jumping off the bike, right? Didn't quite unclip completely, and I just got too much, you know, it's physics, right? I got too much yeah. inertia and weight on the front end, and it just kind of flipped over. And, and as I was flipping over, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, my bike. 
because um, I knew I had a helmet on and I was probably going to be okay. But um, I definitely was worried about the argon and, and the envy wheels and, and all of those things were flashing through my head. I know, right? But that, yeah, but that's pretty yeah. much all that happened. And then I sat there on the curb and the paramedics came over and walked me to transition and probably assumed I was going to stop. But then in my head, you know, when you're racing, you're kind of in like a drunkish state. And I was just like, well, I'm just going to jog or I'm just going to run slower and see how it feels. And then it was an out and back course. So once I was going, I was like, well, I'm just going to finish. Um, yeah. So, yeah, nothing too exciting. But that was it. And then uh, when I got back, I was, you know, I was very bummed, which is why it was a good reminder that stuff can just happen. And this yeah. is what I signed up for. And you know, I, I talked to my sister on the phone who was definitely not into triathlon and has a, you know, different life than me. But but she said to me, she's the one who said that. She was like, you know, there, there's so many variables um, that can go wrong. She's like, and maybe next time all the variables will suit you. And she ended up being right. So, yeah. Um, Did you, I, if, I saw that in the Tour de France, they have, each rider averages 1.4 crashes for the tour, you know, doing probably wow. like 35 miles an hour. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I'm not going to get into road racing. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's oh, crazy. Yeah. I've crashed tons in my life and it's, uh, I average probably one crash every year or so, uh, right. every two years. And it's the worst and it really affects you for a while. You got to get over it. And yeah, the bike, did you have people stand up and go, bike's okay like that like <laughs> well so, i mean someone did say i mean i looked over and someone's like oh it looks like it's okay the, but the paramedics were saying that as we were rolling it back into transition yeah. i was like ah oh, phew but yeah i it, yeah. it's pretty it's pretty ironic because um i actually am super cautious like to the uh -huh. point where living in colorado I lose so much time and i fall so far behind on the descents because i'm terrified mm -hmm. So the fact that that happened was not expected. Yeah, but, yeah, at a, uh, at a weird place too. Happens. Yeah, yeah, definitely just a brain lapse and no excuses. It was stupid. I it was dumb and it was a waste of a trip. But I learned from it, so not a waste, right? Yeah. No, not a waste. But how do you um, uh, you work? Uh, what's your what's your day job? So I currently work, um, I, I do some triathlon coaching uh -huh. on the side as, and I also work for a, um, a nonprofit that's based out of Boulder. Uh -huh. Um, I do marketing and communications for them and that's all contract work and remote work. So, you know, for now in my life, it, it works very well, right. um, with the whole triathlon situation. Yeah. And so how do you balance so. all that with, um, with your training, like, like, um, could you, can you work like any time of night on any computer anywhere or, or how do you do that? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. I have some meetings, um, mm -hmm. like one to two meetings that I need to be, you know, at a certain place at a certain time. And then there's some things like, you know, if we have a newsletter or something that's going out at, you know, I do have some like time constraints, but for the most part, it's mostly just, am I doing my job as a work getting done? Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I, I've always done that. I worked more in the event management industry before getting more into triathlon and kind mm -hmm. of moving towards even more remote work. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty used to it cause that's pretty much all I've ever done. Um, yeah. so it works out well. And, with, uh, in your profile, it says you used to, uh, live in Austin. So yes. how'd you like Austin? Oh, I loved it. Um, it's so funny because I just, 
was on Twitter this morning and and saw the weather in Austin this week, which was <laughs> what I did not love about Austin. It's it's going to be over a hundred for the whole week. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that's how I got into triathlon. Uh, living there, they have a really great triathlon community, and there's definitely parts of it I, I really miss. I love Boulder, but um, there are definitely some things I miss about Austin, and it was a really awesome experience. I, I lived there a little under six years. Oh um, wow, you lived there six and, years. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, and yeah, and I had a great, uh, maybe it was more like five and a half. Um, I had a really awesome time doing the 70.3 there last year and just getting to see, you know, the triathlon community again. And um, Oh, I was at that same race. That's cool. Yeah, that was. Oh, you a, were? Yeah, that was a hot race. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a hot race. Um, hot race yeah unfortunately those are usually the ones winning but they're not very comfortable so i i yeah austin's awesome and um i don't miss the heat but um yeah it's a great experience <laughs> yeah i, I live about I, that. I live about hour and a half two hours east of of there between austin and houston and it's inc oh, okay. unbelievable how hot it is it's it's on it's just i know yeah <laughs> um yeah, I, I, I I'll do like an hour workout, and I'll have to just keep drinking water for the rest of the day because of just the dehydration. So. Oh yeah, I've been there. I mean, it's pretty hot in Boulder right now, but it's I should I should not complain because it doesn't compare. Yeah, yeah. Heat index here is um, yesterday was 107, maybe 110, and it'll get up to 120 something. You know, with the humidity. So. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. So how did um. How did you get on uh, Maverick Multisport? Did they approach you, or how does that work? How do you get on a big team like that? You know, I just, if I remember correctly, I think last year, so the season before this one when they were playing the team, Chris had reached out to me, uh -huh. and then I looked into it, and I was like, oh, great, and we had kind of talked, but then he firmed up the team, and it didn't work out, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, then I had 2000. 14 season and then when I was looking for 2015 then this time I, I believe I reached out to him because I remembered it from the year before yeah and um you know we just talked back and forth um you know for a couple months and I just I don't know it 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 seemed to offer a lot of you know great opportunity for me and where I'm at in triathlon and mm -hmm. and I did like the idea of being in that having that sense of someone who's managing it and you know and having other quote teammates as much as you can in triathlon. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, and then it and then it worked out. Funny enough, that my um, freshman dorm room um, college teammate was on the. So one of my really good friends was on the team as well. Neither of us knew oh. it because I was oh. just kind of not saying anything. Wow. That's um, funny. Yeah. So yeah, so that's that's been that's been fun too. That's cool. Yeah, it seems like um, when you get on a team like that, uh, people expect pros to be so you know, with social media, like, so on top of their game and with contracts and, and all that. And it's like, well, pros are t spending all their time training or napping. <laughs> and yeah. to manage, I mean, the, I mean, to be great at triathlon, not if you're asking them to manage all these contracts and, like, equipment sponsorships and stuff, it starts eating right. into your training time. So to have somebody kind of arranging all that uh, for right. you, um, yeah, it's a little, I, I, I guess... Uh, you're not doing it all yourself, so you're kind of handing it over to somebody else. But because they're doing it in scale, that they can get some really great deals on stuff for you and kind of arrange right. things. Right, for yeah. sure, and that's been really nice to have that there um, with Chris and and I. I notice a big 
Um, sorry, excuse the noise. Um, I notice, you know, a, a big difference for me, like just getting out in, in more in social media and with more marketing and having a website. And yeah, these are things that take time and, and add some things to time. Um, but you have know, learned a lot from being on the team from that from that angle for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, let's talk about the big thing that I want to get to. Which was is your uh, eating style, I guess. And um, I really, you you you've said that, um, and I'm probably misquoting you a little bit, but that you pretty much eat whatever uh, to make sure that you get right. in, that uh, to get in the nutrition that you need, and um, and you don't stress about food too much, um, so that right. Uh, and I find this to be so useful for people because. I've gone the whole route of trying to get really particular with diet and then right. uh, not eating enough as a result um, uh, and just getting weird with food she could, could be the title of a book. Yes. <laughs> and, oh, uh, yeah. It's just, and to, so I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit how you do it because what I've, what I've learned is how to listen to your body and your body will actually tell you the kind of food that you need. Like, you can tell after a while, you know, like, right. you need more, your body says you need more carbs, or you need more water, or you need more salt. Like, it gives off signals. I think I think we're kind of dumbed down in modern society to not be able to hear them as well, because we just have food constantly pushed in our face right. already. But um, can you tell us a little bit how you do this, and like, what you normally eat? Yeah, for sure. Well, first off, I'll say that being um, around division one collegiate running mm -hmm. there is I, I would I would say I would someone show me somewhere maybe in gymnastics or something where there's more of a preoccupation with food yeah and um, I think that there are you know girls go to call especially women um, mm -hmm. you know go to college and there's a lot of weight gain and weight loss and you you add in this this whole new lifestyle, and then you add in this sport, which has a lot of pressure on being fit, and you have very high expectations um, coming in there because all of a sudden it's, you know, small fish in a big pond. And so I'm just saying, I, I think that my experience being around that, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, where sometimes I'd be like, oh, maybe I should be doing that, and I, and I would try to do that and restrict myself and be perfect with it. And, and honestly, it never really... Um, worked for me it never made me better i i don't know i i just think that that people overcomplicate it mm -hmm. and i think that again if that works for someone mentally and physically and you found that like I, i'm not going to argue with it but i think for me and for a lot of people it is not healthy to just be preoccupied with it all the time and that's not very fun and so when i say when i say that i've come to the point where i eat what i want it's funny how once i finally accepted well i'm going to eat what i want that I don't sit around like craving eating a whole gallon of ice cream or a whole box of cereal or, or, or doing anything like, I don't know, like super unhealthy, I guess. Yeah, you, 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 does that make sense? So it, Yeah, so when you free yourself, you actually don't, you're not fighting exactly. against anything, so you don't actually overconsume because you're exactly. not trying to prove anything or, I don't know, it's, you're not focused right. on it so much. Right. And so if I eat, I mean, because I just, I've always kind of liked everything. I've never been a picky eater, so mm -hmm. um, I think that. I eat really healthy stuff too, but sometimes I eat stuff that quote people would say is not healthy. And I and I've like seen some blogs from other pro triathletes, and they'll be like, "Oh, I had a splurge night tonight, and I had a piece of pizza, or I drank a beer." And mm -hmm. 
and like, no, I'm not going to do that oh, all day, every day. But to me, like, if you're calling that a splurge night, that just doesn't work for me because then I'm sitting around thinking about how I want splurge nights all the time. And I just, I might be sound crazy and I'm not making sense, but um, I just think that when you free yourself to just kind of say, hey, I'm going to eat when I'm hungry and I'm going to make sure I'm getting in the nutrients I need to get in and enough, like, you know, carbs so that you're not bonking workouts, I think it kind of ends up working out for itself. Yeah. Uh, one, one of the best diet books I ever read is very hard to find and it's, it's called um, Am I Hungry? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And the person who wrote it said, um, you know, they do all kinds of crazy diets and stuff. And then they just, just asked, started asking themselves, am I hungry? And then stopped eating when they weren't hungry anymore and um, right. found themselves not binging anymore on stuff. And um, the, the only work to do is to start listening, to learn to listen to yourself so that you stop eating when you're not hungry anymore. And, um, exactly. And then eat the right stuff at the right time. So what would you eat, uh, for example, or does it just totally depend? Like uh, this morning, what did, what did you have for breakfast? Uh, this morning for breakfast I had, I mean, this is, yeah, I mean, it definitely depends. Um, yeah. And I don't like to get into a rut of always having the same thing. And again, for some people, they like doing that. So I'm not, not saying there's one right way. But right. Um, for me, I had three scrambled eggs and toast with butter and coffee with whole milk mm -hmm. and but that was cooking at home um very often i'll end up just you know going to a coffee shop and the bagel shop and getting stuff there and i need to break that habit because that's like just a little bit something that um adds up financially but yeah um you know, so a lot of times I'll, like, go out for breakfast in that sense. Um, it, so it really just depends on kind of the day and how rushed I am, how much I have to do when my training is, um, and then I kind of base it on that. Yeah. Well, uh, our time is getting a little short, so uh, I'd like to wrap it up with, I love asking uh, pros this, uh, about your gear setup for a race. So such as, like, what do you wear for a watch okay. if you wear one? And then, uh, like on the bike, what do you have on your bike computer? Or some people don't even use one during a race. And then, um, and then on right. the run, yeah. So, like, let's say you're uh, at at Knoxville, the race you won. Right. So you're going into, uh, you're getting ready to start the swim. How do you? What do you have on you at at the time? And and uh, how does it look? So getting ready to start the swim, I take as little as possible to swim start so I don't have to worry about it uh -huh. and I'm either wearing the blue 70 helix or the blue 70 swim skin cap blue 70 goggles and that's pretty much it I try to do any sort of hydrating nutrition all in transition I don't even really bring shoes or anything I say is transition ready and I'm ready to get in water and swim from start to finish okay so that's it on the swim. And no no wristwatch of any kind to do the swim? No. Nope, not on the swim. No, that's too distracting. And let's be honest, I know approximately if <laughs> I, there, there's nothing wild that's ever going to happen to me in the swim. You know, at this yeah. point, I think I've swam enough that I'm not going to totally fall off the boat, but I'm not going to go out and swim 24 minutes. So yeah. <laughs> that's just, I don't think there's a need for it. Okay. And then, uh, okay, so you come out of the <laughs> Come out of the water, and uh, you're heading towards T2. Oh, well, let's say um, you're getting on the bike. How is your bike set up with, uh, with your bike computer, and you have a power meter and, and all that? What do you use? Yep, yep. 
I have the rotor power meter on the Q rings, um, and I have um, a bike computer set up. And during a race and during training, I do not worry about speed or oh, I have time just to know duration. I don't worry about speed. So on my bike in a race and in training, I show overall average lap power and three second power um, mm -hmm. so that I have both as a reference. Right. And I purposely hide the computer a little bit under the arrow bars yes. because I don't want to be totally obsessed or preoccupied with it because, like I said, there's a lot of variables. So if it's hot and yeah. going back to trying to really feel out how your body feels, what, you know, it, it may be different one day to another. Yeah. So, you know, and then I have the, I have a cat-like helmet and Zeal sunglasses that are sitting on the arrow bars and my shoes clipped in. So you said something about lap. Uh, how often do you hit the lap button? Um, in training, I do it for intervals. In yeah. races, I don't um, hit it. So it's more an overall average. Okay, cool. Yeah, I totally agree. On, um, on the run and on the bike, I kind of hide my uh, computer. So it teaches you how to listen to your body. And then you just check on the computer every once in a while. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's exactly how I Yeah. Okay. And let's, okay, so you're heading into the run. And uh, how's, how's your gear set up with that? Um, so heading into the run, I have the, just the standard, the, the shoes I've been wearing, um, Swiftwick socks in the 70.3s. Um, I just throw those on and I wear ultra shoes. I have those sitting there. And then, um, I have a, a wrist Garmin mm -hmm. sitting there and sorry, I'm running through this in my head and I yeah. have an infinite nutrition. I have yeah. an infinite nutrition gel flask okay. and a visor. Okay. How, um, so I grab you, all of that and I try to put it all on running out, not at the time because yeah. I'm not the best at transition. So yeah. So how can you tell? I got a, a something that seems to be uh, bothering me a lot. How can you tell if you've eaten too much or not eaten enough? Like listening to your body. What what signals does your body give you? Because um, you got to be on your game. You know, you got to react quickly and not kind of figure things out. <laughs> right. Yeah. I I've come to the conclusion in a race, it is rare. Um, again, I don't do Ironman, but in 70.3, it is rare to be, that I'm even able to eat, you know, too much uh -huh. um, and take in, you know, too many calories. I know it's possible, but, um, I, I, you know, I, I just, I mean, I know if, I, if I've ever done too little in my experience with triathlon, you just can't run mm -hmm. at the energy um, system level that you need to. You, you, you end up running aerobically because that's all you can do because you've bonked. Yeah. So um, that's pretty telling. Yeah. That's when it comes out is on the run. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. I, I think uh, you're going to be a huge hit with the Zentri fans because uh, you do things kind of, I wouldn't say minimalistly, but you're really uh, self-aware of what actually works for you. And um, that's great. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I try. So thank you for the feedback. <laughs> yeah. Well, it takes work, right? I mean, you have to, you have to learn to, you have to train yourself not to be what to listen to, you know, instead of just noise right. all the time. Cool. All right. Well, right. Uh, for sure. For sure. Um, is there anything I've left out? Any, any, uh, oh, what are your upcoming races? So people can see what's up. Oh yeah. So, so as you know, there just aren't quite as many races, especially shorter ones to do anymore. Um, so at, at this point I've tried to just get in a training block and I am, um, planning on doing the Penticton, um, 70.3 distance challenge race. Oh, cool. Uh, at the end of August, and then for sure, I am planning on the Miami 70.3, Ironman 70.3, and then um, other races are to be decided. Okay, awesome. So we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Well, cool. Well, good luck, and thanks for being on the show. And uh, how do people get in touch with you? Oh, well, I am Leslie Smith Try on Twitter and lesliesmithtry.com on my website and would always love feedback on blogs and really anything um, through my website. So okay. if anyone's curious about anything, yeah, feel free to reach out. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thanks a lot. All right, well, thank you. All right, bye. Bye. All right, thank you. Leslie, so cool. It was really fun interviewing her. I really like interviewing people with her mindset um, that just uh, they're in the moment and enjoying it and doing following their heart. Uh, Angela Nath reminds me of somebody like that. That um, gosh, a lot of pro triathletes are like this. Um, you come to the point where you can just you just got to do the work and you got to get it done. And um, thinking about the uh, Things too much kind of undoes things and gets you kind of screwed up. So you just got to just do. Anyway, uh, that interview was brought to us by Sound Probiotics, which is the probiotics are, are little pills that you take that help out the healthy bacteria in your gut because 70% of your immune system comes from the bacteria in your digestive tract and they help you have a nice and healthy day, day after day after day. And Sound Probiotics um, has sponsored this podcast, gosh, for a while now. And um, I hardly ever, ever get sick. And it's because I have a nice, healthy digestive tract. And I take my Sound Probiotics. And I got to say, the, the the zen thing about it that I love so much is it's so simple, it's easy, and it's done. I just pop a pill. And it doesn't taste like anything. It's just a little pill, a little capsule, and that's it. And uh, you can get them for 10% off with discount code ZENTRY if you go to soundprobiotics.com. All right, let's go ahead and mention a few other things. Um, I make my own fuel when I go on long bike rides. And the, uh, the thing is, is uh, last podcast, maybe the one before, I interviewed Alan Cousins. And he said one gram of sodium per hour in the fuel bottle. And that's uh, super cool. And, oh, wait, no, these are things I already talked about. We can skip a lot of this. <laughs> I talk about them later in the show. And um, I think I did. If not, we'll cover it in another part of the episode. Let's read it. Let's read an email or two. Um, but so I don't leave you hanging. Um, Alan Cousins, uh, one gram of sodium per hour. And um, salt is uh, 40% uh, sodium. So you got to use a calculator to kind of figure it out. Um, uh, has been perfect and around 250 to 300 calories per hour on the bike with this one gram of sodium and I mix it all in a blender and make a bottle and it's wonderful and I drink a, it's so hot right now it's like a hundred and something degrees uh, a little bit a little bit more than to thirst and actually a lot more than to thirst and then this fuel bottle and I end up uh, just kicking butt it uh, works really really good okay and Let's read an email. I've got this this great email from somebody. And well, first off, let's do donations. You can support Zen and the Art of Triathlon by donating to the show. Um, on the left hand side, you can scroll down and there's a place to do PayPal. You can do one time or set up to a subscription. And both of them are just fantastic and super simple for you. Super Zen for you, for you Zenjas out there. And Oh man, it's just um, the the donations that come in are just so cool because they um, 
they really help to support the show and keep the show on the air. And I can't tell you enough about how cool it is to, um, to get support from everybody. And here is when you donate, I get your name and you also, um, you get, um, a reply from me if you order Hornet juice, which we'll get to in a minute and you get my email address and it's just a lot of fun because then if you donate, you can ask me a question and I am a triathlon coach and have been forever. And, um, what I, where I, where I tend to, um, excel is all the years and years and years I've been doing this stuff and, uh, I have just tons and tons of knowledge about different tips and tricks and stuff that works and different races that I've done. I've done lots of the major races. Um, I can help you out and give you the uh, way to do stuff if you're wondering. So here's Kevin in Oregon donated to the show. Again, the left-hand side of zentriathlon.com. And you can uh, go there and um, yeah, do the PayPal thing. So quick question, Kevin in Oregon. He says, I'm doing Ironman Arizona in November. I live in Oregon in, uh, and October can be sketchy weather. Um, and I plan to train lots of days on the trainer for short rides. But how might you think a long five to six hour ride get done when it is pouring outside in his Oregon? And he's training for his Arizona. Uh, split it up a.m. p.m. Do as much as I can with weather permitting and then finish the day inside. Uh if all on the trainer, uh, do I not say six hours, but rather more like four hours? And uh, what is the ratio you might think for a trainer long ride? Thanks for the podcast, and it is the best one out there. You always get to the heart of training. Thanks, man. Um, wow. So I used I used to do the long rides, and then um, for a while I got away from it. And then I found that on Ironman race day, if I hadn't been doing a long ride, that the long ride during Ironman sucked. <laughs> um, there's something about, you don't have to do it much, but uh, there's something, because training-wise, a long ride doesn't make you like all that much of a better athlete, right? But um, training-wise, if you've been doing four, five, six-hour rides, then a five, six hour ride on Ironman race day doesn't seem all that bad. And you've practiced, you know, like how much to fuel and how much to drink to keep going. So that's where the value is, is that on race day, the long ride, you're not dying at mile 80 because you'd never go over 80 miles. You're, um, you've been doing a hundred mile rides, uh, plenty and, or five hour rides plenty. And it doesn't really bother you you know what to expect you know you're not wondering and stuff like that um and also a long time on the bike uh wears you out in your um back and your neck and your arms kind of and so if you do a few of those then um that kind of toughens you up for that kind of stuff and there is no really way to toughen you up for that except for maybe lifting weights and stuff um so i would say you would try to do a few rides where you do really close to the, your anticipated um, uh, race day ride time and do it however it, however you can get it done. And it's because it's not really the fitness, it's the, it, it's the exposure. Oh, my God, what happened over there? 
it's the exposure to the um, to the fatigue mentally more than anything else. Uh, so that's what you're actually looking for. So if you do it um, on a trainer and then you do it and like say so you do it outside and then it starts raining, then you come inside and then you just keep going and just take as few breaks as possible. Um, then that's pretty good. You got to remember a trainer is really, really effective. So, cause you can't coast or anything like that. So, um, keep that in mind that, you know, build, building a little bit of coasting and stuff like that on your trainer and switching gears and stuff like that, changing resistance. Um, so it's more like an outdoor ride and really try to get so that it sucks. <laughs> cause once it sucks, then, um, that's, and you push out the time that it takes of it sucking and then eventually it doesn't suck at all to do like five, six hours. Um, but you just don't need to do tons of them. You just need to train your brain to not be bothered by them. Um, what I did for Ironman Texas recently was like my longest ride was like three hours. So the next weekend I did three and a half. And then the next weekend I did four. And the next weekend I did four and a half. And then the next weekend I maybe did 445 or five. And then on race day, when I did 520 or whatever I did, the, um, it was nothing. You know what I mean? It was like, psh, whatever. It didn't bother me whatsoever. Um, and, uh, yeah. So you don't have to do them, you know, every weekend in a row. You just, just work up your long ride, uh, gradually so that it doesn't bother you. Okay. More donations from, oh, and mix it up, you know, uh, trainer rollers. When you're out there riding on your bike for real, you know, you're getting different terrain and different views. So it's okay to train, to mix up the method. It's the duration that uh, messes with your mind. Um, I've done five hours on rollers one time. <laughs> it was retarded. <laughs> so if I can do that, you can do this. Okay. Um, Brian Kemper sent a donation. Mark with a question. He says, Hey Brett, I've got a swimming question. At about 45 minutes into my swim, I get very back cramp in my calves. Uh, I A very bad cramp, I guess is what he's saying. I don't kick when uh, swimming very light flutter kick. Happens when I open water swim too. Um, getting worried as my half Iron Man is four weeks away. Thank you for any points you can. Love the show with Christine Lynch. Oh, Christine, I love to hear that. Um, okay, if you're getting cramps in your calves that means you're overdoing it somewhere else and the places you could be overdoing it are running uh like too much running too much hills running uh too much hills on the bike too much cycling uh you're growing you're running volume too much um you're including yeah you're growing you're running hills too much uh bike intervals and uh you know that's too much intensity uh, growth and volume overall dehydration and using too low of gearing gave me cramps uh, last week. And um, another one is uh, while you're swimming, trying too hard to point your toes back, which clenches your calves. And then also cold water will uh, cause your um, cramps in your, in your calves. So those are your problems right there. So the other day I went for a ride and then my gearing broke on my bike. So I was in too big of a gear for most of the ride because that's the only gear I had. And um, so now I'm doing too much torque and I got kind of dehydrated. So for the rest of the day, my legs were just twitching with little cramps here and there, right? And that's how I got cramps in my legs recently. And I pay attention to a lot of stuff that I do and I document everything I do and that's what caused it. So... Um, 
and you're four weeks away from your race, so you're probably like majorly increasing your intensity and doing stuff in the heat and in the sun and, and lots of probably adding in more volume. So that's all it is. Unfortunately, your body's talking back to you going, stop, you're killing me, man. Okay, um, Jake, uh, I've been listening to your podcast for nearly a year, exclamation point. I look forward to every new podcast as I know my time at work will fly by, exclamation point. Uh, hope to someday connect with you at a race and perhaps someday take part in the Iron Ultra Baby. My old self-supported Ultraman I'm doing next this year. Uh, my girlfriend even knows who you are. Holy crap. Are you serious? And <laughs> through me talking about you and asks about my new lingo and referring to food strictly as fuel, exclamation point. Keep up the good work, Jake. Thanks, Jake. Uh, James Godak sent in a uh, donation. Todd Nelson. Matthew Heinz. What's up, dude? Um, Jason Drury, Jeff Honing, and Todd Endicott, and Dan Machia, Machia, oh, he told me how to say it, how did he tell, oh, anyway, uh, Jessica Woodruff, Andre, Andre S., and his note says, uh, bring one Brett to Roth effort, smiley face, uh, hi Brett, just finished your latest episode as well as some old ones, I really appreciate the advice and knowledge offered in your podcast, is there an episode of your podcast that is showing what weight training is good to support your performance on swimming, running, and biking? Uh, yes, I definitely have an opinion on that. Uh, thanks, and keep up the good work, Andre. Okay, I love this question because I have the triathlete's weight training um, method, and it's super simple, and it's just a few things. Okay, first one is squats. Get a squat machine if you're not good with doing squats on like a barbell and stuff. So there's these squat machines where you sit on your back and uh, you and you push, right? And um, the thing about a squat machine is it's nice and safe and you can um, adjust the weight easily and do three to four sets and do it till it burns pretty nicely and you're about to fail, like you're kind of quivering a little bit. And um, go as low as you can go. And what that does is it works your quads, it works your calves, it works your, the arches of your feet, it works your glutes, your butt, and your hamstrings. It works everything all in one machine. And it's very, very effective. And it definitely will make you... That's your um, biking and running right there. And then for swimming, all you really need to do is get this overhead cable pull machine. So go in the gym and find a handle that you can attach to a um, and like a pull-down bar, you know, where it attaches with a cable to uh, weights. And um, one arm at a time. So I, I get on one knee, and then I put one knee up, uh, and then I get directly under it, and maybe a little bit behind it, but pretty much directly under it. And then, so my arm is completely extended up over my head, so now I'm really low. And then, um, so I reach up and grab the cable pull, and it only takes like, let's say 30, 40 pounds, something like that, and pull down with your hand first, then over your elbow, and then over your uh, shoulder, you know, kind of movement, the correct swim technique movement, and pull down, and uh, like you're executing the pull on the swim, and you do... You know, uh, you do enough weight so that, you know, uh, 10 to 15 times on one side wears out your one side. Then you switch and do the other side 10 to 15 times. And then you go back and forth and back and forth to do about three to four sets each. 
And that will increase your swim pole strength and your flexibility in your shoulders because you got to reach way up uh, directly overhead to grab it. And that is my go-to uh, swim um, pulling uh, strength routine. And you do it, uh, you do this, the squats and that uh, every other day, and you're pretty good to go. And skip a day if you're uh, kind of tired. Okay, uh, M. Webb sending a donation, and Tyler Moyer, and Spiros Fetsis from, I think, Libertyville, Illinois, and Joshua Bobbiars, Bob, and Peter Salzen, and Dwayne Morin, hey buddy, and Richard Trago, and Daniel Stark, Joseph Rogalski, who's kicking ass on his new BMC bike that he's got. Super glad to hear from him. And lastly, Alex. And I should have read this email at the beginning of the show. Maybe I, maybe I should do that. But anyway, this is a long one. Y'all ready? Alex says, thanks for the podcast. I love listening to it. It helps me stay focused and excited about my own training. Triathlon has been amazing for me. I tore my ACL the first time, <laughs> ouch, as a junior in college and then again right after graduating. I still have two herniated discs in my lower back. That gives me some issues once in a while. And I just did my first 70.3 in July at Muncie. I don't know how to say that. Muncie. And I have uh, three of my friends talked me into doing their first 70.3 at 70.3 um, Chattanooga with me in 2016. I love Chattanooga. It's so pretty. And then shooting for my first full to be Ironman Louisville. Ready for that one, dude. That one's going to be hot. Uh, but the real reason I wanted to reach out was I find myself nodding along, as in, yes, yes, along all the time as I listen to the way you talk about Zen and training. I threw the shot put and hammer in college. So I am part Viking. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I know that uh, maybe the farthest thing from triathlon is possible. <laughs> After college, I coached on the track and field staff and got certified by USATF. Cool. That's a USA track and field. I also took a very Zen approach to throwing and training. We used to say, you have to relax to throw far. The idea that applying too much stress mentally or physically at the wrong time, right? Everything is timing. Everything depends. Uh, the system will produce a suboptimal result. The other reason I think your podcast is awesome is because I minored in Eastern religions in college, this is so cool, and wrote several papers about the intersection of Zen and athletic performance. I have always argued that the phenomenon of being in the zone, quote unquote, is the same and achieving a, as achieving a moment of enlightenment. Yeah, exactly. I talk about that a lot. My feeling is because to achieve both, you must attain complete focus and presence in the moment. And here's an aside here. This is Brett talking. Um, I talk about this a lot. You can be enlightened at any time because enlightened is actually your natural state is what uh, Buddha taught, that you, you have to quit adding. And like I was talking earlier about the wheelbarrow and like thinking about how you don't like it and stuff like that ruins it. You can be enlightened while carrying a load of bricks in a... Um, in a wheelbarrow because you're just into what you're doing and this is what's going on and enjoying the moment or just being in the moment is uh, enlightened. And enlightenment just means a light bulb turns on like, oh, this is cool. This is what I'm doing right now. Okay. So anyway, back, back to our email. Um, 
My feeling is because to achieve both, you must attain complete focus and presence in the moment. You must block out all the chaos around you and synchronize your body mentally and physically. In this way, you are able to fully experience reality. And this is Brett again. And fully experiencing reality is awesome. It feels so good. Okay. I think what you do is so awesome. Keep up the great content. I'll donate once these student loans are gone. That's cool, man. Uh, P.S. Were you at the Esri Conference in San Diego? I was staying across the street. Oh, man, we should have hung out. Yeah, it was. Okay. All right. That is our uh, donations and emails, cards and letters, as Vinny Tordrich says. So, um Let's go ahead and get into the training log where I take you with me training. Let me see. Do we have a sponsor to mention? Chris Hague Racing. ChrisHagueRacing.com. H-A-G-U-E, like the Hague. Chris is um, super cool, and he is a uh, triathlon coach, and I'm a big fan. And he mentioned me recently on a podcast, which uh, just makes me feel so good, as a swimmer that has just really great technique. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have to keep practicing. <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, anyway, um, Chris uh, went to University of the South at Sewanee and was on track there and worked in a triathlon shop and is now a school teacher and um, is a phenomenal athlete, has beat me handily, and he's a triathlon coach. So I want you to check him out because the best thing about him is that he's super friendly and super nice too and smart, super sharp, and uh, you, could do, you couldn't do any better than this guy. You could do worse and couldn't do any better. So check out ChrisHagueRacing.com. Again, Haig, like H-A-G-U-E. And don't forget about Hornet Juice. A lot of these emails and sponsors and, I mean, uh, notes from people. Uh, you buy Hornet Juice on my website. If you scroll down, there's a link to Hornet Juice. And it's a protein powder that you mix in and it burns fat and gives you crazy good energy, like a diesel train. It's amazing. And when you buy it, it comes to you from New Zealand and uh, a little bit, a very small amount comes off the top uh, back towards me because I'm the one that did the advertising for them right here on the show. And this way you get something really cool and fun to play with and I get something uh, in return for uh, helping it get out there. And so um, we all get something and you have a fun workout and it's just really, really, really cool. And that is Hornet Juice. And it's just amazing stuff. I use it all the time. I really like it. And I can't help but talk about them enough. I get emails all the time. People are like, holy crap, this stuff works. They'll buy like a 10-pack first to kind of try it. You can tell they're kind of like dipping their toe in the water. Next thing you know, the next order is a 60-pack. <laughs> Combine this for me and all my friends. This is awesome. All right, so that's the point of juice. All right, let's go ahead and get started with the training log. Here we go. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Hi everybody, my name is Brett, I'm a triathlete. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on dudes, let's go exercise! Exercise! Yeah! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself! Alright, welcome to a new training log. Stardate. Uh, July 24th, day after my birthday. And I am in San Diego still, getting ready to leave tomorrow morning. But I just pulled off a cool little trick I thought I'd share with everybody. And it's uh, make better use of your time when you have the choice. A lot of times you have better things to do, but you don't even know it. There goes the trolley. 
that goes on down to Tijuana. But the uh, I'm at Enterprise uh, rental car. I was going to drop off the rental car, but I had to wait uh, an extra hour, hour and a half more than I thought I was going to for my friend to come pick me up from dropping the rental car off. So I went, I had a choice. I uh, looked up Starbucks. I could go to Starbucks and spend a lot of money on iffy coffee. Ooh, there's another Tesla. Holy crap. How many Teslas are there around here? Anyway. And, uh, you know, and then blow money on high-calorie snacks. Like, you know, I'll probably get a chocolate brownie brownie if I go there. And I'm not actually doing anything for my body, really. Uh, And I've already put in some work today doing stuff on the computer. And I said, no. I'm pretty sure there's a rock climbing gym around here somewhere. So I uh, looked it up, and yep, there it is, and went to the rock climbing gym and paid a $15 uh, drop-in rate, and just in my tennis shoes, pulled them out of my luggage, and uh, just in my tennis shoes went bouldering. Bouldering is where you rock climb without a rope, and you only go up a few feet and then try to go sideways. And it's actually uh, really difficult. Extremely difficult, but very safe and fun, and it's really good for kids too. It's a uh, overlooked uh, hobby of a sport that's actually really, really cool. It's called bouldering, and um, I did that uh, knowing that I haven't rock climbed or bouldered for, um, gosh, a, a couple years now, a few years now, and I used to do it uh, hobby-wise quite a bit, but just, just as a hobby, and. Uh, that I would be really out of shape for it and it wouldn't take much to uh, kill me. So um, the coolest thing in the world is to do bouldering and you don't need anybody with ropes or anything like that. You just climb yourself. Is to put in headphones and listen to music or a podcast. Alan Watts talking about Zen. And uh, for example, is one thing I listen to while uh, you try to go up and sideways and it's a puzzle. Um, And after a while you get pretty good at it but then your arms start to fail and you take lots of breaks it's really really cool but my whole point is is that everything's a choice you know I had a choice of um, being unhealthy or questionably healthy or uh, doing something that's uh, uh, fun and healthy and we'll get a little bit of a workout in everything's always just a choice away like uh, earlier today I was at the mall and I chose to walk longer from the parking lot in and then I chose to eat at a restaurant, a fresh food kitchen, I think is what it's called. And I chose to get the kale salad and a quinoa burger over the other stuff. And they're all just choices, man. And But they add up, you know. And the reason I thought I knew that there was a rock climbing gym around here is a few years ago when I was here, I chose to look up a rock climbing gym. And so I kind of knew it was in this area. And... Um, these things start compounding until they're not even choices anymore. They're just the way you live your life. Um, it's not even, it's kind of hard at first, but it's, uh, man, if, if it's easy, it's probably something that's not good for you. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta uh, put yourself up against a wall just a little bit to make, make yourself uh, work. Your body likes it. Your body likes a little bit of work, a little bit of stress. Um, especially nowadays, you know, you can control the environment. You, Weight, lifting weights is stressful, but you're in an air-conditioned room where there's no lions jumping out of the bush. Hello, I'm back? Oh, wow. <laughs> that was Morgan just calling me on the phone. Oh, my.
bus backing up uh, to say that he was stuck, still stuck in traffic and picking me up. So anyway, thought I'd leave everybody with that. Uh, a little bit of tip on, a little bit of tips on making choices. Holy crap! <laughs> That's a Pacific Coastliner that I've dodged with a uh, surfboard under my arm a few times. And uh, oh, this bus is this bus is kicking ass. But uh, these choices I've made uh, a million times, I've said, you know, I'm not special. I'm just I'm just a I'm just a dude who. Um, if I'm, if I'm doing it, anybody can. So you can too. Start making good choices and watch your life turn around. The harder choices. Just a little, just a tiny bit harder. And then it, those get easier. And always work your way up. All right, out, bang. All right, all right. I am super, super stoked. I am driving to work. I got to pick up breakfast tacos for everybody. But I just got a tweet asking me about hornet juice versus uh, weaning me off the carbs and I think it's different than that did I just go the wrong way I think I just went the wrong way uh, <laughs> I went one street too far before I needed to turn that's okay I'll go back the uh, the big deal is what I've learned what I've been doing wrong is food timing and just like when you uh, buy a yellow car, you start noticing yellow cars everywhere. I'm starting to notice so much about food timing and how it was wrecking my uh, workouts. Uh, it's it's everywhere. People are talking about it. For example, just ran across something yesterday where they said, uh, you know, it's like 25 tips for great running. And one of the tips was um, uh, don't run within stuff that everybody should know. Uh, don't run within two hours of eating or don't eat within two hours of running. And I'm like, oh man. So let me tell you what I was doing wrong. And my my results working out were so hit and miss because this was happening, because I was doing this. I'd get up in the morning and I would eat uh, cereal um, or eggs or whatever, you know. And I would be hungry, so I would eat... Uh, a semi-substantial amount, you know, and I'm a triathlete, I'm training, I need like five, 6,000 calories a day or something, kind of depends, and so I'm hungry, right, and I probably wouldn't eat enough going to bed, maybe, and then, yeah, I would have this problem waking up, okay, so, then I would start running, or biking, early in the morning, or swimming, and I would be semi-comatose, and uh, just kind of a mess, and this would, um, Give me uh, really limit the results for my workout. It would greatly impact how I felt during my workout. Frustration, uh, but I, I didn't know it was necessarily the food doing it because I'm like, well, what else am I going to do? You know, I got to eat. So I've been uh, having worked with Tawny, um, and uh, in my blood test results, it was like, well, you need to eat more. Um, so. It's not necessarily carbs that's the problem, you know, for a healthy blood test result. Uh, something's up. If you're feeling weird, and Tawny was saying this, if you're feeling weird during workouts, let's work on uh, food timing. And so, uh, for example, this morning I got up, had a cup of coffee, and I put a, a little scoop of uh, uh, maltodextrin in it. So probably about 80 calories of maltodextrin, which isn't much. 
And then on my run, I made a flask of maltodextrin gel, maltodextrin gel. And uh, I would sip every 10 minutes, just take the tiniest sip. So maybe like 10 calories or something like that. So maybe a little bit more, but um, not much. And, and all this discussion, all this talking, you know, uh, interviews and stuff that I listen to, it's uh, the amount of sugar you eat while working out isn't really a problem because it has almost no insulin reaction because you're, you're, uh, you're burning through it so fast. You can't eat as fast as you, uh, work out, but if you overeat and then try to work out, well, you can end up with all kinds of stomach issues like bacteria growth and everything because you're not getting much blood flow to your stomach. Um, and if you're pumping sugar in there, then, um, you're, you're going to get, uh, just stress like crazy in your stomach. So there's the right amount of sugar in your guts and, uh, at the right time. Right. So if you overeat, like I was doing before a workout, then, uh, then you go work out. Well, um, you end up with just feeling like crap and having no energy because all your blood is going to your stomach to try to digest, but you need your blood and your muscles. So then I was eating more sugar on top of that to try to get simple sugars on top of that to try to give me the energy, um, to work out. And when actually the solution was get up in the morning and have a little bit of simple sugars to get going. And then that's, you hardly need any, just some, and then eat when you're done. And I had to switch my beliefs and like start training myself to uh, quit doing what I was doing before and start doing the right thing. And then I was having great workouts. Um, and also kind of training the body to fuel off body fat because uh, I'm only taking just enough sugar to kind of simple carbs. So the question is, does Hornet juice work better? I don't know because I haven't really uh, done that much of it yet while doing... I'm working on one thing at a time and I'm trying to figure out the amount of fuel, period. And uh, there's all that. That's kind of, uh, you know, like the the food timing. But then also you have to you have to you know, learn to say no. So Emily said the, um, last night, Oh, I'm going to be late coming home. So we'll have dinner late. And I'm like, no, sorry. I get home. I'm going to eat something as soon as I get home and I'm going to eat plenty because then it takes two hours for that stuff to digest. And, um, and then I'm going to get on my bike and if we're going to do family dinner, it needs to not be not, um, Nobody's running errands on the way home and then delaying everything by an hour because then what happens is, is I go out for a bike ride or a run and my stomach's killing me uh, because I've eaten dinner uh, too late. And uh, so the, that's, you know, I'm putting my foot down and saying that. Well, I'm kind of wrecking everybody else's evening plan. So I'm like, no, this is the alternative. Everybody come home and eat and then we can go back out and run errands or do whatever you want. Um, but the other alternative is um, come home... Uh, uh, about an hour before coming home, um, eat or two hours before coming home, eat a snack, eat something substantial and then, uh, work out as soon as you get home and then have dinner later. Right. And then that makes it easier for everybody else. If that's what they want to do, you got to communicate, find out what everybody wants to do. The only down, the only problem with that is here in Texas, the, uh, if you're running or biking outside, it is so freaking hot right now that you, um, working out, there's, you know, there's like health advisories and stuff against working out the heat index of a hundred and, you know, 20, seriously, 
uh, some days here, uh, you need to wait as late as you can in the day, like 7 p.m., 8 p.m. to uh, work out or else you're going to melt. Um, and it really injure yourself and dehydrate yourself. So anyway, I got to run and get these breakfast tacos out. Bang. Okay, I'm back. So my whole point is, um, if I'm doing it wrong, uh, you know, food timing wrong, then imagine how many of all of us are doing it wrong. And um, what's crazy is my training results were so hit and miss because of... uh, because my stomach's busy digesting stuff. You know, you think that there's no alternative. Um, My alternative has been bring a freaking meal to work. And, uh, you know, after you get to work and kind of settle in, throw a healthy TV dinner, uh, you know, one of these ones like uh, Martha's Kitchen or whatever it's called, you know, where it's like super, super healthy, and uh, throw it in the microwave or bring some food with you and heat it up or whatever you want to do it. And uh, you can cook a scrambled egg in a microwave, by the way, in a coffee mug. And, uh, you know, eat uh, after your morning workout. And um, because if you're not, if your food timing is off, well, then your workout is severely uh, undercut, you know. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, uh, it would be the times when I was doing it wrong, then I would... It would take like 40 minutes into a into a, a run or a bike ride uh, to start feeling right, um, and then I get about 20 minutes of let's say it's an hour workout, and I get about 20 minutes of uh, good working out. Well, it's like you went for a 20 minute run instead of an hour run. Like that whole 40 minutes of of waiting for your food to settle and quit feeling sick to your stomach or feeling like lightheaded. Um, is uh, wasted. I mean, what a waste. And uh, it's one of the reasons why um, people, you know, age groupers are held back. Our results are so much slower than somebody like a pro that has the time to uh, train all day. It's like if you were a pro, uh, well, if you had nothing else to do, let's say, whatever, you didn't have a job or whatever, you would get up, you'd get a nice night's sleep, you would get up, have a, a nice breakfast, wait for that breakfast to settle, right, a couple hours, and then do like a two-hour, at 10 o'clock in the morning, do like a two-hour workout straight. And I've done this actually a couple times, and it's amazing the difference in results. And uh, do like a two-hour workout and just have a wonderful workout because you're fully topped off, you feel great, you have all kinds of energy. And then uh, after that, you uh, eat lunch, right? And that refills you and fills you back up. And then after lunch, you take a nap for like an hour or two and kind of get your ass back in gear. And then uh, then do um, another like two-hour workout. And uh, then, uh, and of course, your food timing is perfect. And then, uh, then you have dinner. And then you relax and go to bed. But as an age grouper, um, and I see uh, all these adults, you know, early, early in the morning. I'm getting up at 4.30 in the morning and then uh, getting my crap together and then going for a run um, at like 5.30. And then uh, 5.30 to 6.30, you know, running and then uh, running on the ragged edge. (laughs) And then 
which is kind of a crappy workout for only an hour. Then I work all day. Food timing is completely off. And then um, then I got to argue with somebody uh, at home about what time to eat. And uh, then I work out late uh, right before uh, going to bed. And uh, you can see why you get, and I'm only getting two hours in, and you can see where your um, results just get just trash. So, um, because everything is about, uh, you know, the effects, they all add up and they add up, you know, they compound one after another, after another. And, uh, it's those little results that, you know, keep popping you up to the next level. <sighs> so it's just really, really frustrating, but I think that's, that's the, uh, that's the reality. It's kind of like doping versus not doping. Like the difference is amazing when you get your, uh, timing, not just food timing, but recut rest and recovery timing and nap time and all that stuff nailed down. Okay. So that's it. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm relatively new to realizing how important food timing is. I used to think I was just kind of like a battleship and just kind of like eat and go. And, uh, you know, if the food timing worked out, that was good. If it didn't, whatever. And, uh, still you kind of have to kind of go with the flow, but I'm new to really putting my foot down on the, with, on the flow. <laughs> so how well Hornet juice works with that? I don't know. I need to try it with a cup of coffee and a, uh, and a serving of Hornet juice, uh, in the morning, uh, with a scoop of maltodextrin and then see what happens. I mean, what if that's just like, holy crap, I bet it's just freaking awesome. So I'll give that a try. All right. I'm at work. Uh, out, bang. All right. Okay. I am upstairs in the uh, training room. I'm going to call it the dungeon. I used to work at a place that had an abandoned upstairs that was like locker rooms and stuff like that. And my boss used to call it the dungeon because it was a joke because it was upstairs instead of downstairs. But anyway, I'm in the training dungeon upstairs. <laughs> and... Uh, Kai and his best friend are over here. Uh, his best friend's over here and they're eating dinner downstairs. So I thought I'd come up here and record real quick cause I still got to run tonight. I'll get to all that in a second. Um, a lot of cool stuff that I want to say. Uh, last week's interview was Alan Cousins and he's the uh, training guru and racing guru, real smart guy. And I used his, uh, one gram of sodium per hour, uh, fuel bottle tip. I need to double check that because it seemed like a little bit light, actually. But anyways, it worked great. Um, sodium salt is forty uh, percent sodium, uh, so you don't measure it uh, by volume because different salts can have different volumes. Like sea salt is less volume than like table salt, regular table salt. So anyway, you weigh weigh it with a um, scale. I got a little digital scale that's changed a lot of how I. Uh, train successfully, which is nice. And um, for a three-hour ride, I made a three-hour fuel bottle, 300 calories per hour, and didn't even need all that. But I did 40% um, uh, uh, sodium uh, for when you when you actually do the math and weigh it out. Um, that's something like 1.2 grams of sodium per hour. But anyway, I did it for three hours. I did the math. And it was seven grams of uh, seven grams of sea salt, which makes the uh, fuel bottle actually taste not that bad. Sea salt tastes way better than regular table salt, and it's got other little 
traces of minerals and stuff in there, I figure is probably pretty good for you. So I use that and went for a three and a half hour ride today. Um, we had a cool front come through. So the uh, high today was like 97, 98, 99 instead of 103. <laughs> I was like, this is ridiculous. Anyway, um, felt nice actually. And, uh, the fueling worked great. Uh, uh, realized I was over fueling a little bit and, uh, dialed it back. And actually my symptoms for under fueling and over fueling are pretty much the same. That's why I have so much trouble. You know, you start losing power and you're like, what the hell's going on? Um, but I also had some Hornet juice in there. Oh, that was so good. And, uh, just a really great workout this morning. Um, ended up doing three and a half hours, which is 76 miles and it's on Strava. So if you want to follow me on Strava, I'm uh, either, oh, I forgot what it is, uh, Zen Triathlon, Brett Blankner, um, I'm Texas Ninja <laughs> on Garmin. Anyway, uh, I post my Strava stuff on Twitter, Zen Triathlon on Twitter, so you can always find me that way. And then, so the new house, um, we stayed in the same neighborhood, uh, moved to a new section that they were building so we could uh, get the uh, the new house because Emily's brother is an architect, so he helped design the house. So we could get the house that we wanted. And the uh, first thing, um, the biggest thing that you notice all the time is we got polished concrete floors, stained polished concrete floors. So they're dark brownish. And uh, oh my God, they're so cool. Big fan. And if you have any questions about that, uh, let me know because uh, a lot of people don't have them. So they're interesting and they're actually cheaper than any other kind of floor. Because it's just the concrete slab of your house, so they don't have to do any other floor. They have to stain it and and varnish or whatever they do to it. But um, it's neat. And then uh, super easy to take care of, especially if you have dogs and stuff. And then uh, we've got stairs, just one little flight of stairs. But, oh, my gosh, I love stairs. They're so good for you. And you climb them up and down and up and down. And our training room is upstairs. So I'm, I'm, uh, what we did is the space over the garage, we turned it into one big room. And I've got my bike on a trainer looking over the street, which is super cool. And um, so I'm up and down a lot. So the stairs, really nice. But I had something funny happen where um, both Kai and Emily immediately, the first time they saw me climb stairs, they started making fun of me and said I look stupid climbing stairs. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, the way you sway your upper body, you look so dumb. <laughs> you look weird. And I'm like, what? And so I do it all the time so that they can make fun of me because I think it's funny. And, um, but it's kind of like, like when you realize you say a word wrong and you've been going your whole life saying a word uh, the wrong way and then you say it in front of a group of people and then they make fun of you and then you didn't realize that you were saying it wrongly and, uh, and you're like, what? And that's kind of the way it is with stairs. I had no idea. I climbed stairs uh, looking like a goofball and I'm just learning that. I have no intention on uh, stopping. <laughs> I like the way I climb stairs. And then um, when they put the door in our house, it's got a star on it. I think I talked about this before. And the uh, star was upside down. It's a clear glass thing with a star. And in Texas, it's a big deal because the uh, Texas has a star on the state flag. It's called the Star of Texas. And it's really pretty. And they put it in upside down. And they finally flipped that back right. And it almost looks satanic, the way an upside down star Um it's not quite a pentagram, but it sort of looks like one. And um, now I don't feel like I'm walking into uh, Satan's bowels anymore when I go in and out of the house. And then also uh, a fun challenge is figuring out new run routes uh, to um, 
and this is kind of a Zen thing as well. The uh, um, there's changes when you when I moved to the house, and so lots and lots of changes. And instead of being frustrated with them as much as possible, nine times out of ten, I'm with all the Zen training over all the years. I'm able to um, enjoy it and go okay. This is an experience, instead of being frustrated, just do beginner's mind, and you don't know, and you have no preference, and you're just learning something new. And um, you don't know uh, the change until what the change is going to be like until you do it. So the the fear and frustration and anger towards change is because in the human mind, um, it's something different. You don't know how it's going to end up, and so it's it's a fear of of an uncertain future. And you can't predict the future. The future might be better than you think, right? It's 50-50. Who knows? (laughs) And then either way, you've learned something. And so when you realize that that's uh, what's going on, it's really cool because I'm like, um, I don't know uh, this new run route. Um, Instead of being upset that I have to figure out new run routes, I'm like, oh, I might discover something cool and see something new and I might like it. I might change stuff. And yeah, it's actually really cool. Um, the most common way to leave my house to go start a run is uh, net downhill very, very slightly, like 1% or 2% grade for about a mile. And um, I love it because it's easier to start running when you're going very, very slightly downhill because um, it gets you going faster, and it's fantastic. And um, my old house had a couple little hills and stuff like that in it. Uh, you know, pretty, pretty quickly. And when you're not warmed up yet, those really mess you up. (laughs) And, uh, uh, when I finish a run route and I turn around and come back, um, to the house, the last, definitely the last, uh, half mile is, uh, net uphill and pretty much no matter which way I come from. And that's, um, and it's just very slight, but it's a nice way to finish up a run is if I want, I can push it and I got a little bit of resistance and, um, finish the run, going uh, a little bit harder, you know, to, to finish it out. So it's really, really cool. And let's see, I want to give a shout out to Sea Sucker Roof Racks. Um, I might have mentioned them last show, but I really, really enjoyed using this roof rack thing to um, suck. It's a suction cup roof rack to transport bikes. And um, they sent me one to test out and they haven't asked for it back. So I'm guessing I'm keeping it. <laughs> And I like it a lot. So I owe them a lot of shout outs for this thing. It is really handy and really cool. And it's seasucker.com, S-E-A-S-U-C-K-E-R. Um, and the cool thing is, is I made a little video of it attaching to the uh, roof of my car. After I posted the video, I felt like a douchebag because um, I was trying to say that these bikes are expensive and I trust the... Um, I trust these expensive bikes on the roof of my car uh, with this cool thing, you know? And uh, it sounds kind of like I'm saying, look how expensive my bikes are. And, dude, my bikes are nice, but, geez, dude, they don't even come close to what some people spend on bikes. So um, so go look at the video and uh, <laughs> and check that out. But I have a, a titanium road bike and a, tr- a carbon uh, triathlon bike, you know, my race bikes up on the roof of this Honda Civic and man, it was on there like, like a, like literally like the logo, like an octopus wrapped around the uh, car. It was so cool. And, uh, I'm Zen triathlon on, um, YouTube 
and you can go look for that video. It's pretty cool. I haven't made a lot of videos in a long time, but um, there's a little library of cool videos in there. And I, I tried getting uh, do making videos all the time, and I just really didn't have time for it. So um, then, oh man, uh, with we have no internet and no TV at the new house, so we're watching a lot of um, movies on DVD and whatever. But also, it's making me conscious of how much stuff I'm and all the work that I have to do is making me conscious of how much time. I have to, and also the bandwidth, literally, to uh, and figuratively to download podcasts to listen to. And let me make sure this is recording. Yeah, we're good. Okay, and I've noticed something. Uh, well, I've noticed one thing for a long time is there's a lot of podcasts out there like Roderick on the Line and Back to Work, which I both really, really like. But there's... Um, it's 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 hard to say it's hard to describe it, but middle aged guys um, slowly lamenting about slowly about life no longer being, and it's funny they're good content, um, but the, about they're lamenting a lot about life not being great, and they're kind of negative in a way. So I uh, be really careful when I listen to that stuff. Um, because that's all mindset, and the uh, there's plenty of podcasts out there um, on getting stuff done, and science fiction, and how cool things are, and um, news. You got to be careful with news, by the way. But uh, just you know, the reverse of that is more like positive or or non lamenting, and uh, it does uh, what you listen to really does change your attitude. But then also I've noticed there's a lot of podcasts about productivity and stuff, and I listen to a lot of those for tips and tricks on uh, ideas. And um, just recently I noticed that, you know, I listen to these things for um, answers. And then it makes me think about my own podcast a lot and why, you know, the kind of show that I put on. And I'll give you a little bit of history. When podcasting first came out, it was very non-commercial, and it was just people narrating about their own lives and kind of what was going on with themselves, and it's it's wonderful. Um, and that's what this show is. There's not, you know, 10 tips to, to do this and six things to do that, and this guest on to tell us about their, um, their awesome way to do this and that and the other. Um, this podcast is more just... Um, we're not trying to find there. There is no answer to everything. Everything's always changing, and as soon as you find out the answer to something, the world changes. You know, your kids grow up, uh, you lose your job, or you get a new job, or you move to another part of your neighborhood. Um, you know, you have to get new run routes. Everything's changing all the time, and um, there's definitely better ways to do stuff. But this show isn't really about that. I'm really just here to talk to you to talk to anybody because I live in a smaller town and there's very few triathletes where I live um, that want to do the the volume and the uh, distances that I like to do. But out on the internet, uh, in the universe out there, there's tons of you. And so I'm just here just to talk and uh, kind of like how women solve problems by uh, getting in a group and talking things out as opposed to guys just going like, uh, <laughs> caveman style and never talking about anything. The um, 
this show's about just talking about triathlon and sharing experiences. Um, and uh, I tell you uh, kind of what, you know, the way I do things. And I definitely um, do not claim to have do, to do anything uh, the best way. Um, the only thing that I was ever any good at was swimming. And that's when I was 17. And I'm 42 now. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> and I'm not good at it at all. Um, and I like talking about um, compared to what I was. And um, I only swim like three times a week for like an hour each time at most, you know. And like uh, the uh, – I'm really here to talk about um, Zen and uh, just triathlon training and the beauty and the art of – of uh, endurance training and how it transforms your life. And um, there are a lot of things that we do wrong um, when we do it. And because it's a small community and we need to share information and ideas so um, we can all be happier doing it um, without the struggles. So when I give tips like, you know, how much sodium and stuff, that's so that um, everybody can be good at this stuff. And, uh, not waste time unnecessarily to um, to get good at it. Uh, there is a little bit of enjoying the process, you know. Um, I could tell you how to do everything, and then um, then you have no fun discovering it on your own. Uh, when Kai was a little baby, and we started maybe two or three or something like that, we started trying to toilet train him. That was three, four, or something, whatever the age is for toilet training. My, I had an argument with my mom where she's like, you need to train them like this and like this and like this. And I said, I'm not really interested in fixing the problem. Him learning how to go uh, potty, I guess is the word for it, instead of in a diaper is uh, not a problem to solve. It's a process. And we're only going to have one kid, um, hopefully. And uh, um, I'm only going to be a dad uh, for somebody this age once. And if he has an accident or two, uh, I get to learn how to talk to a kid about having poopy accidents. <laughs> and I'm not that worried about it, you know. Uh, you know, if I had a whole bunch of kids and and uh, and had no time, you know, um, then yeah, we would uh, go quick and figure out the process and stuff. But um, that and that's the same way with uh, triathlon. Uh, there's uh, the process. If it's kind of like earning your the money for your car instead of somebody buying you a car and just giving it to you. You know, when you earn stuff, it's real to you. It's also like coaching in triathlon. If you coach somebody for free, um, they hardly ever do the training plan. But if they pay for it, they do almost everything on the training plan. Uh, when I was a undergrad in college, um, I just went to whatever classes to get by. But then when I was in grad school and I was paying for it 100% by myself because my parents uh, paid for about half of um, undergrad, uh, my bachelor's degree. And then uh, when I was paying for it all by myself in grad school with student loans, I missed one class one time out of two and a half years because I was uh, sick with the flu and I had like 103 degree fever, <laughs> right? Okay, so that, that my whole point is um, – I just been thinking about that, and I wanted to mention that there is no point to Zen and Yard of Triathlon except to talk about the lifestyle and to uh, have fun with it and just kind of discuss things as it goes along and figuring out things uh, in the now, what works kind of now for you right now. 
and um, sharing stories so that uh, it's just a nice little community, okay? And let's go on here. Uh, Sonia Wick, who has been a uh, guest on this show, is a badass. She's a, I guess she's about 40, and she's a top age grouper that makes it to Kona pretty much every year. And um, she just did the Norseman Triathlon today and finished. And I just wanted to give her a shout out. Go Sonya, S-O-N-J-A. She's Go Sonya on Twitter. And um, the Norseman is considered probably the one of the hardest uh, Ironmans out there, if not the hardest, because it finishes on top of a freaking mountain and it's freezing cold. And um, it's in... I guess it's in Norway, Norseman. And I once did a triathlon. I did a self-supported Ironman, like the third one I did ever or something. Um, I kept getting delayed doing it because stuff kept popping up. I ended up doing it like the very beginning of December. And we had a cold front, a real cold front come through. And when I started, it was in the mid to high 30s, which here in uh, – Fahrenheit, guys, uh, on Celsius, that's like right or just a little bit above zero. <laughs> and then I remember the high got up to like 41 or 42. And um, when I finished, it was oh, it was drizzling uh, off and on all day. And when I finished, I got hypothermia and um, had to sit in a hot shower and Emily bring me hot soup in the shower as I, as I laid on the ground and shivered and, and shook and uh, wasn't just misery. Um and that was one of the hardest uh, triathlons I've ever done in my entire life. Uh, so anyway, my whole point is, it's not about me, uh, cold Ironmans do exist, and you can get to a point where they're brutal and dangerous even. Um, really, 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 really crazy stuff. All right. Also, I wanted to give a shout out to these <laughs> these crazy sunglasses that I found. Um, Archie McPhee makes a whole bunch of junky stuff like a Jesus statue on, on, uh, on wheels and stuff like that, little action figures. And, um, they make a lot of cool, kooky, fun stuff. Anyway, they, they still have those, uh, spy glasses probably from the fifties or something where they have little mirrors on the inside to the side and you can see behind you with them. And I've been riding my bike twice now with these things and, um, they're crazy, man. I actually really, really like them. And somebody ought to make a nice version of these where they're like maybe like polarized because these are junky. Um, and I, I got to say, man, I don't have to turn around. to. I have to turn my head a little bit to uh, see behind me. But, you know, I ride a lot of highways with um, with no shoulder and it's 70 mile per hour speed limit. No shoulder uh, out in the countryside. So it's nice. But it's so cool, um, and, and a lot of people will say, well, you know, if you're riding seriously, um, you should just stay to the right. Well, there's times where there's a pothole coming up. You know the route pretty good because it's your train route. There's a pothole coming up, or there's um, something coming up ahead. Or you want, oh, yeah, that was the other thing. You want some water. You want to sit up and get some water. You're going to reach down and get some water reach behind you, and you're going to get a little bit wobbly, you know? Um, because of the, uh, 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 wind and the unbalance, you know, or reaching for things and stuff. Well, I just tilt to my head. I can see if there's anybody behind me. And also just every, every few minutes doing a tilt to my head, see if there's anybody behind me. And, um, 
I can ride in the uh, road track a little bit more instead of way off to the side. And it's just really, really cool. So they're junky, but they're also um, they're a really good idea. And I've done two rides with these things. I think they're illegal in racing because you shouldn't be able to see behind you um, with mirrors because then you can draft because you know where the judges are. Um, but as far as like training, uh, oh, and in the aero position, they're a little bit difficult to use. But if you have a road bike where you sit a little bit more upright, oh, my God, they're really, really cool. So if we get everybody wearing these, then I wouldn't look so stupid because uh, one person doing something dumb is an idiot. But uh, several people doing something dumb is a club. And uh, you always look cooler in a club. All right. Uh, from the conference uh, where I went to this GIS conference in San Diego, um, for work, I do GIS stuff. That's geographic information systems, which is uh, computerized mapping, databases, and all kinds of crazy uh, big computer stuff. Which uh, I was about to say, it, it does. It is as cool as it sounds, uh, except for um, I'm in management of it, so I just sit at a desk and you know fill out timesheets nowadays, and uh, that's nowhere near as cool as it sounds. But um, and then I take the blame for when stuff goes wrong, and then I give credit to everybody that works with me, under me, um, when stuff goes right, because <laughs> that's how leadership works. And um, I heard a really cool saying, uh, people don't quit jobs, they quit bad bosses. <laughs> and so I just try to be a good boss, And because um, I've got some great people that work for me right now, and I'm super stoked, and I want them to uh, hang around as long as uh, I can get them to. Um, but anyway, so I go to this GIS, Geographic Information Systems Conference in San Diego, and um, I'm using this MacBook Air and I'm, you know, I'm not an, uh, I was a big PC Microsoft guy, uh, for the longest time. And, um, and I only use Apple stuff because it works so well. And most of the time it's just pretty, uh, foolproof and just works. And the issue is with me with a full-time job and training for Ironman and coaching, um, and being a dad and all that crap, the uh, <clears throat> I don't have time to fiddle with settings all the time, and, and uh, so in my situation, the dumber the computer is, you know, like the more simple it is, uh, the better off I am. Uh, fewer settings actually work better, and be, and it just works. And um, so in that case, uh, Apple uh, stuff works for me. And I'm just trying to throw down a little disclaimer here that I'm not. More of an Apple fan than a Microsoft fan. I've been on both sides of the fence and used the right one for the right job. So like Zen, it all depends. The right tool for the right job. And um, right now, um, most of the right stuff for me. At work, I use uh, Microsoft stuff like crazy, and it works great. Uh, because I can sit there, and actually, I'm supposed to fiddle with settings and make stuff run as fast as possible. But the uh, uh, my whole point is the battery life. I had a little epiphany. The battery life is the most important thing right now, um, and simplicity. So I'm on this at this conference, and I'm walking everywhere, I'm doing all this stuff, and this MacBook Air, and you know they probably have um, PC computers that uh, laptops that have just the same amount of battery life or whatever. But oh my god, use this thing like all day long, and um, use like I still have forty percent of the battery left. You know, day after day after day, I just charge it. Some overnight, and then keep going. And also, the MacBook Air is um, super light. I'm walking around. And sometimes I had to check my backpack to make sure it was in there, and I just open it up, and it just runs like super fast. 
So uh, when we can all get computers like this, um, wow, <laughs> it's really cool. So I highly recommend it. If people want to get one, um, I give it a big thumbs up or something exactly like it from whichever brand or whatever that you like, um, Because mostly because of the battery life. Computers are powerful enough nowadays where they do um, almost everything you want. I run Zwift on this thing. And uh, that's a computer game, you know, with the bikes and stuff, and it runs just fine. Although that's, you know, not like real, real gaming, but it works pretty good. And then um, I want to mention uh, my swim workouts. I'm doing, I'm alternating uh, my workouts right now. I'm doing 10 minutes uh, regular freestyle and then 10 minutes with a pool boy, which actually puts a lot of, it puts a lot of stress on your, not a lot, but it puts some stress on your upper body. And I alternate 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes. And the uh, I think I've talked about that before, but the cool thing or the funny thing is I got stretch marks on my chest from, from muscle growth from this thing. And um, uh, what it is is it looks like, like little long commas uh, where the chest pec muscles uh, almost meet the uh, shoulder. Um, you know, out to the sides as much as possible. I was like, what is, what are these little marks on my skin? And I was like, oh my God, those are stretch marks. And I'm not doing any push-ups or anything like that. And I haven't had stretch marks since I was like crazy about lifting weights. Like in my early twenties was the last time I was getting those. I got them, uh, military school cause they were doing push-ups and lifting weights like crazy. Um, but this is really, really nuts. And uh, my point is that um, using a pool boy can put some strength into your body and grow some muscles, man. Uh, so definitely check it out. You, there's no denying it. When you start getting stretch marks from muscle growth, um, that's pretty crazy. And let's see, last thing for tonight is um, I'm racing Kai tomorrow. He's on a triathlon team, and they're going to nationals uh, this weekend. Um but it's such a long trip. It's like in Ohio or something. It's a long trip, and we just bought this house, and I was just in San Diego, and um, he's only 10 years old, and we don't have that much money to blow on this stuff already, and it's such a long trip, and oh my gosh, it was going to cost thousands of dollars to go to this, and seriously, they race like 20 minutes. <laughs> it's, awesome. it's a waste of, bad for the, the pollution and the environment, all, I mean, all this craziness, to go do this. Oh, and I need to be training for um, the Ultra Baby that's coming up, the self-supported Ironman that I'm doing. And um, so instead of Kai going to nationals, um, what we did was I said, we'll do a homegrown triathlon and I'll race you, Kai, and um, we'll do a little sh a super sprint because that's what they kind of do. And um, the winner, and it'll be Kai, I promise, will get a new set of wheels. Because still, it's going to cost way less than us going to national. <laughs> and um, you can uh, find some pretty cheap uh, carbon wheels. Uh, I forgot the, the website. Let me look it up. I've got it right here. Uh, bookmarked. Carbonbikeoem.com. And uh, get some moderate dish. They have deep dish, too. Uh, carbon wheels for his bike. And whoever wins uh, gets a new set of race wheels. And I kind of want to see if these are good wheels anyway. And um, they're only, not only, uh, they're $538. And 
I think the ones we were getting him a little bit less. And these are the 60 millimeter. We're going to get him 50s. And the, uh, oh, I was listening to the doors close. So many people are spying on me. But the, I want to see if, you know, how good these wheels actually are. So what a great reason to get a pair of these wheels. And uh, Kai is super, super excited. So what we're doing is the neighborhood pool, um, uh, two neighborhoods over, we're doing um, 200 meter swim because that's what he did in his last race. And then the bike ride, um, we're doing 3.7 miles because um, uh, just no matter what we do, I'm just going to be way faster than him on the bike. So we need to figure out a way for the bike not to be too long so we can keep it competitive. And then um, I don't want to be sitting there faking it, obviously, you know, that I'm going like super easy so that he can. Um, be competitive against me because on the swim, actually he's a pretty fast swimmer and on the swim, I can just kind of cruise along and he won't know cause he's, um, you know, swimming, <laughs> he's busy. And then, um, uh, so we're going to bike back to, uh, our house. It's 3.7 miles after the swim. And also his transitions are freaking crazy fast. He's on this kid's tri team and he, um, they do transitions in like 30 seconds or something. So I'm going to do my transitions like normal speed and, uh, and he'll gain on me big time on those. And then we're doing a one mile run. He's running all the way to this picnic table. That's exactly half a mile away. And then turning around and running back. And he's got a friend spending the night tonight. And his friend, Paul is going to ride Kai's mountain bike next to him and cheer him on and tell him how far behind I am. And honestly, um, you know, little kids are freakishly fast runners and Kai runs like a seven minute mile, <laughs> which I'm going to be dying trying to keep up with that. And then also, um, you know, my big workout today and I'm running tonight. Um, you know, I, he's gonna, um, I'm not going to have to uh, fake it big time for him to beat me. Um, it's actually going to be really, really, really close. And I'm going to try to stay close behind so that he really works himself hard. And I told him, you know, if he has a flat tire, I'm going to stop and help him fix it and stuff like that. I just want him to race with all of his heart, uh, earn those if he wins, if, uh, which he will. Um, I want him to earn those wheels with uh, by going all out. So I'm going to put I'm going to put a scare into him, but I'm going to I'm going to let him uh, win so we can get these wheels for him. And uh, he just he he raced Emily, um, my wife and his mom, uh, just a few weeks ago and a mom and a, and a parent kid race and he beat her by 10 minutes <laughs> and she was racing. And, uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited about it. All right. So I'm going to, uh, get my crap together to go for a little bit of a run tonight. It's going to be about that time. I did a three and a half hour, um, bike ride this morning. So I'm going to run an hour and a half tonight because um, five hours for a day is uh, plenty. You don't need any more than that, no matter what you're doing. And I think that's about it. All right, be back with uh, Kai's race in a little bit. Here we go. So I think what happened is we're... All right. Yeah, I know. Uh, we are here with Kai. How's it going, buddy? Good. All right. And we are about to start the uh, the Death Star 5000. Tri- yep. Uh <laughs> Father-son triathlon, uh, Team Von Blanc Racing, right? You ready? You got your goggles on? Yep. Okay. And we got Paul. Hey, Paul, come here. How's it going? Good. Good. <laughs> I didn't even ask anything. So, uh, Paul is your your support crew? I 
Yes. Right, he's your cheering section. Right, we've already set off the alarm on the uh, pool uh, by leaving the gate open too long. And uh, we've got Zentri Nurse here. How's it going? It's going good. What's going to happen today? Kai's going to beat you badly. Whoa. There's a lot of trash talk going on. All right. 200 meter swim. And Zentri Nurse is going to count laps, right? And as soon as Kai's done, hops on the bike. Bikes are all set up. And 3.7 mile ride to the house. And then a one-mile run. When do I get on the bike? Like after that ramp? Or? No, you can get on it anytime. Just watch out for cars. Open course, so we're watching out for cars. Mommy's going to follow Kai with her blinkers on, like every mom wants to do behind her son. And uh, I think that's it. Are we ready to go? Are we ready to go? Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. We're done with the race. I'm actually on my bike waiting for Daniel to uh, meet me so we can go on our bike ride. It's a little bit later, and that's only because it's so freaking hot that I'm trying to get rolling and on my bike ride uh, before it turns into a complete furnace out here. But uh, Kai beat me pretty good by, uh, well, he beat me by 28 seconds. <laughs> out of 28 minutes, he beat me by... 28 seconds and the way it went down I'll interview him here in a minute but the way it went down is uh, he let's see in the swim uh, we both jumped in and started swimming and uh, I could tell that <clears throat> that he couldn't uh, he couldn't compete on the swim with me but uh, so I just kind of swam easy and don't worry hold on <laughs> it gets really good here in a minute he about kills me and uh, so I just kind of swim casual and I do like open turns and stuff like that. No big deal. Just uh, having a good time uh, calling out the laps out loud so Emily can watch and uh, make sure that we don't miss anything. And then um, then when the swim's over, we both finished at the same time. On the last lap of the swim, I started touching his feet on purpose, kind of messing with him. Uh, so he knew I was right behind him. And then... Uh, you know, so it swims over, and he is so freaking fast at transitions. He just bolts out of the water and hops on his bike and takes off. <laughs> and I'm all putting on my shoes. He does the his shoes are already in his pedals, and he does like the flying mount and just. I didn't even see him. Like he's just gone. And I'm like, uh, okay. So I I get on my bike. Finally, it takes me like a minute, maybe 30 seconds to a minute to get on my bike, and I'm taking my time. You know, thinking that. You know, I'll go slow, and uh, <clears throat> we'll, because uh, it won't be that much of a of a of a competition. <laughs> I get on my bike, and I start to leave the subdivision, and I can't see him anywhere. He is gone. You go ahead. He is gone, and uh, I start pedaling, and I'm like a mile into it, and I still don't see him. And I'm like, oh my god. He is flying, absolutely has dropped me so much on the bike. And I'm like, well, I better, uh, I better uh, hoof it here. I better speed up. And we start uh, rolling along, and he, <clears throat> I finally see him. And I'm looking down at the watts on my bike, and I'm putting out 250 watts <laughs> to try to catch him. 
so that I can keep the race kind of close. And like, I'm really freaking working, man. I'm like, oh my God. And uh, there's a little out and back that we put on the race. And uh, he passes, he smiles as he passes me because he's like, holy crap, I'm winning. And I was like, man, I let him get away on the swim. Uh, and I shouldn't have. He's freaking gonna beat me. And then he, uh, he, uh, oh, I pull up to the house. And on my way up to the house on our street, he passes me on the run going the other way. And now he's got a serious, he's not smiling anymore. He's got a serious look on his face. And he uh, cruises along. Uh, oh, I pull up to the house and I ditch my, uh, my bike. I just lay it down in the grass and I put on my uh, shoes. I took a picture and posted it on uh, Instagram. Uh, I put on my running shoes and start running my ass off. And I ran a seven-minute mile. I think it was sub seven trying to catch him and I was gaining ground on him on the uh on the run just a little bit but not enough and he beat me when I turned on my street um and our street's a few hundred feet long uh he was already at the finish line standing there and um exhausted and I was exhausted too and Emily took pictures but we were like oh my god we're dying and it was really, really, really awesome. Um, I think we ought to do this every year or every, like, twice, three times a year to see um, if he, how much time he's gaining on me. And next time, I'm not going to give him the swim anymore. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to race the swim and see if I can beat him. But uh, so now I owe him a set of race wheels, and uh, we're going to do that. And I'll I'll get an interview with him here in a little bit. I'm still waiting on my buddy Daniel here, but I thought I'd record real quick. Um, it is a really weird feeling of having your son beat you, your kid beat you at something. It's both uh, happiness and sadness at the same time. You're like, you know, it dawns on you like uh, your 10-year-old has just made you invalid because <laughs> he's so freaking fast. And, um, you know... If I went, I was doing about 85%. I decided to go like Ironman speed, uh, minus on the swim a little bit. I was doing about 85% and he freaking beat me. And um, yeah, if I'd gone like all out, um, I would have had him, but just barely. And then he went right back into just watching Star Wars <laughs> inside. <laughs> and uh, it's really, really cool. The, the interesting feeling of the uh, sadness... Uh, it's a, it's a, it's all right. Are we back? Okay. So, <clears throat> but with practicing Zen, you learn to not get caught up in the feelings and just enjoy the feelings. And I'm like, this is what it feels like to become invalid. Enjoy it. It only happens once in your life. Well, I mean, with your one kid, uh, and it's a project complete. I've made him uh, more awesome than me, which is, as a parent, you know, that's a really cool thing, or at least as awesome. And that's a, uh, that's a goal, you know. It's, we all want our kids to be great. And uh, he's officially past me. <laughs> so, like, sink into the feeling and enjoy it. Like, holy crap. Wow. That's a lot of work. All right. I got to go meet Daniel for our uh, bike ride, and I'll be back in a bit. Bye. All right, I'm having 
a shit-tastic morning. And uh, before I go on my rant about how terrible everything is, I thought I'd say something positive about Amrita bars. So I am super, super happy with... You see, what is my watch doing now? Shut up. Uh, save. Okay, go away. My, uh, my morning routine, I get up in the morning, have an Amrita bar and a cup of coffee and then get my crap together to go run, swim, bike, whatever. And it is perfect. It is so perfect. Um, it works so good. And then throughout my morning workout, my hour before work that I try to execute every day, I, uh, I uh, have just really, really nice energy. I also happen to have a bottle of green juice. Hold on. Green smoothie. Mm. And uh, it's fantastic. So you can get Amrita bars at a discount, 15% off with discount code ZEN, Z-E-N, all caps, 15% off. And uh, at AmritaHealthFoods.com. Okay, now I'm going to go on my rant. <laughs> my God, what a craptastic morning. I... Uh, I just got done swimming, wearing kids' goggles, and also driving to and from the pool in a car full of hot garbage. And I would say, I, at least I have my health, but I'm not even sure I have that because I've now gained uh, 10 pounds since uh, uh, trying to go uh, uh, changing my diet, and or more, I think it's 12 pounds now. But anyway, I keep getting fatter, and then uh, also I have vitiligo on my face, which is an autoimmune uh, disorder, and then uh, also I got out of the pool this morning, and my underwear was uh, soaking wet. Somebody had decided to spray the locker room floor, and because my underwear was uh, on top of my flip-flops in the locker room, they decided just to spray that as well, at least two-thirds of my boxer shorts are uh, dripping with water and now they're now I'm going commando to uh, work for a little bit and let's see what else went wrong this morning oh okay so uh, upside is I was watching a video of uh, Katie something 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 swimming the 1500 I think it was in the uh, world champs uh, swim stuff in I guess Russia uh, yesterday I was watching the YouTube video. I don't know when she did it, but I was watching the YouTube video. It was very recently. And um, she does the lopsided swim stroke. It's really, really cool. And she hardly kicks at all. And she broke the world record. And um, a lot of really fast freestylers, especially guys, swim this lopsided uh, stroke. And I do too as well. And over the years, I've tried to get away from it because even in high school, I was told, hey, man, your stroke's all lopsided. You should cut it out. But I'm like, but I'm winning everything. <laughs> Not everything, but winning lots. I'm fast. Like, oh, you need to fix that. You'd be even faster if you fix it. Well, no. Um, should have stuck with whatever it is. So this morning, I swam uh, lopsided kind of. It's called the gallop uh, style or there's some other kind of name for it. And, uh, man, everything is so dependent on the individual, you know, on what works for you. And But kicking less does uh, save energy that can go to your arms, and your arms provide most of the propulsion. And 
anyway, so that's uh, interesting. Um, Then I was also reminded by Rachel Joyce, who tweeted uh, that there is no 1500 for women in the Olympics, so we've got sexual discrimination right there, which is stupid, that uh, women can obviously swim to 1500. Uh, Most uh, competitive swimmer, women swimmer, whatever, uh, can swim the 1500 faster than I can, and I'm a dude, and I'm not that slow. And that's, uh, why, why the hell aren't women able to swim this in the Olympics? You know, it's so stupid. So we need to fix that. And then also, um, oh, I was, uh, I think when I last, I hope, hopefully when I last left off, I was, oh, I, I had to skip a, uh, uh, I've skipped two workouts for feeling like crap which is uh, not good from getting dehydrated because when I left, left, last left you on my last workout, um, I was about to go on a uh, longer ride with my buddy Daniel and I got about an hour and a half, uh, maybe hour 45 minutes into a three hour ride and maybe two hours. But anyway, uh, started feeling like crap and I'm wearing a heart rate monitor and a power meter. Oh, and by the way, my power meter died, uh, last night. So that's another chore is taking off the rear wheel and replacing the power meter battery, which is fun. Um, but I, uh, this ride on Sunday, today's uh, Wednesday, by the way, um, this ride on Sunday, I, yeah, I got about two hours into a three-hour ride. Uh, high temperature was 100 degrees and um, maybe 101. And, oh, by the way, the forecast for the rest of this week is a high of 105. And we live close to the Gulf of Mexico, so it's going to be nice and humid on top of that. So, basically, I'm training in Borneo. And then... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, about an hour and a half, two hours into this three-hour ride, um, I completely uh, become a victim to major dehydration. Heart rate starts just climbing out the roof. Um, power starts dropping. And um, you know what was helping this uh, happen was the wonderful fact that my uh, right shifter, about half an hour before that, so about an hour into my uh, ride, my right uh, front shifter on the aero bars, uh, broke. It just fell off. Um, and these are my zip, uh, return to center R2C. So zip, if you're listening, um, thank you so much <laughs> for this. I've completely lost faith in these things, uh, because the second time they've broken in, uh, like a month and, uh, people call it uh, zip, uh, return instead of R2C, it means return to sender. <laughs> And uh, the uh, and they're expensive and they're beautiful and they're broken and uh, so I've given up on them and this was on uh, so it, it happened to break uh, when I was in a semi decent gear I can't remember what it is but on a ten speed I was about on the sixth or seventh uh, smallest cog and uh, you know out to the right. So I basically had two speeds. I had a pretty small hill climbing gear, and then I had a gear that was just a little bit too big for riding on 
anything else. But that's what I was stuck with for two hours out of my three hours of bike ride in a hundred degree heat. And um, Daniel said he was impressed, you know, that I just kept on going. And I said, uh, well, I'm in a pinch. Uh, my life is slowly uh, coming apart. And uh, my I have no time for freaking anything because we've just moved houses. So I happen to get my ass out here on the bike and I'm in the mood to bike. So I'm going to bike. Uh, you know, I don't care if I get attacked by a pack of raccoons and I have to wear them like a bear fur coat. Uh, I'm going to freaking bike out here. And so I biked out there and uh, that ended poorly because being over geared um, and heavy gear and all that kind of wore me out and maybe distracted me so I wasn't drinking enough water. And then, uh, then what happened? So then I spent the afternoon, instead of working out, I had to spend the afternoon going and trying to fix my bike because I'm in the middle of a big training block and I can't have a bike without... Uh, gears um, in the middle of a big training block so I go to one bike shop and because I live in a smaller town they have no triathlon uh, shifters on their uh, in stock so I go to the other bike shop they have no triathlon shifters in stock and after much consternation and because I know the guys at the second shop really well I said uh I said, um, hey, look, we got to figure something out. You know, they're like, well, we can order part and be here in like a week. I'm like, I don't have a week. <laughs> you know, I've, uh, and it's because, um, because of everything that's going on in my life right now. Um, I've got, I got two months until Ultraman, maybe a month and a half. And half of those months are um, taken up by weekends, long weekends of not training because of vacation and family and events. And so if I exist anywhere near my bicycle, I need to be riding my bicycle and not waiting on parts to show up in like a week. And I said, we got to find something now for my bike. And Kai was with me and this was really cool. We found in the back of the bike shop um, and I had to pay a hundred dollars for this crap. The, uh, an eight speed old Shimano, uh, shifter index shifter that also can flip to uh, friction. And we put that on my bike and it works. So basically I have a super modern left shifter that's super aerodynamic and black and carbon and looks super, super slick and has zip stamped on it. It's really nice. And on the right side, I have this broken finger looking uh, plasticky uh, gray um, friction shifter that hangs down. <laughs> and, uh, and I have to manually, because if we left it on the 8-speed click, um, I have 10-speed, so it won't match up. So... I have to manually like slide it through the uh, different gears until I find the gear that I like. And that is, uh, is what I've got on my bike. So, um, that's my world right now. And, uh, I need to sit down and figure out, you know, what, what I need to do to repair this shifter. 
and all kinds of crazy crap. So um, the world of triathlon training is half about training and it's about half uh, about uh, not giving up. As This is as an age grouper, age grouper. The world is conspiring against you to uh, get crap done. And um, you got to freaking want it, man. You got to want it. You got to be resourceful. You got to put an eight speed uh, friction shifter on your bike um, so that you can keep training. And um, also, uh, this morning uh, when I went to the pool to go swim and I couldn't find my goggles because I'm married to somebody who puts everything away in a different place than where you put it. About half of you out there are probably married to somebody like that. And uh, so I can't find it. I can't find where uh, it is. So um, I had to borrow Kai's goggles, so I'm swimming with children's goggles in the uh, pool this morning, uh, leaking on one side, so I'm swimming like a pirate because I have to have one eye closed while I swim, and I uh, hit the lane rope so hard twice, I almost broke my hand uh, each time this morning, and then um, what else happened? And right now my car smells like hot garbage because... We uh, moved to a new house, and we don't have trash service yet, so I'm having to take trash up to my job to put in the dumpsters up here, and while it's um, 82 degrees here in the morning in Texas, um, the garbage is sitting in four bags of garbage, that household garbage that is uh, sitting in the back of my car um, for the hour that I was in the pool, um, uh, you know, just steaming up the car, even though I had the windows cracked. It uh, smells like, including uh, like uh, honeydew melon, you know, and old spinach, crap like that. So, <laughs> if I can suffer through all this, I believe you can too. You can do it. Don't give up. <laughs> I'm not giving up. <laughs> I'm going to kill myself. Hot garbage and children's goggles. All right. Whew. Everybody stay safe out there. Uh, gosh, I hope this, uh, I got an interview with somebody really cool, uh, in the works. I hope it works out. Um, and, uh, oh man, it'll be great. So things are looking up, hopefully. And, uh, stay safe out there, work the uphills, cruise the downhills. Uh, don't fill your car with hot garbage. Don't wear children's goggles if you don't have to. And keep the rubber side down, out, bang. <laughs>